until the world where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-hosts Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary Licensed Podcast. License podcast, and it's October where we'll be doing Batman the Animated Series. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Sean Stefan with us. Hello, Sean. Hey, everybody. Joe Randazzo. Hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. And Vicky Ray. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everyone. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to, starting with you, Joe. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, going through my Halloween watch list, uh, I went to see Halloween ends last night and, um, I didn't <laughs> like it. I will leave it at that because I don't want to go into too many spoilers. I did not like it. Caught me very, very much in that camp. Um, and, um, I'm actually going to be all weekend. Well, actually, no, not all weekend today and tomorrow. If anyone listening is in the Milwaukee area, I will be at the Twisted Dreams Film Festival, uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Brink Stevens will also be there. Um, so jealous. I, I'll be uh, I'll be at Lloyd's uh, Lloyd's premiere tonight, and I will be working at the Troma booth tomorrow. So if you're in Milwaukee, stop by and see us there. Take pictures, tag us. Oh, I will. I will. I'll let, and I'll tell Lloyd you you guys all said hello. Oh, please do. Yeah. And make sure make sure he's wearing that um, sweatshirt. My hoodie that I sent him. I sent him <laughs> a hoodie. Two years ago. I wonder who's wearing that one. We'll, I'll see. I'll let you know. Uh, I think he got it because I said it like two years ago. I don't know what happened with that, but he probably gets all kinds of crap in the mail. Most of the time when I see him, he's wearing his Biggie Smalls uh, hoodie. Biggie Smalls. He's got that on in his Instagram videos too, I noticed. He's wearing that a lot when I see him. Or or tonight because it's his movie, he might be in the suit. Uh, I can't wait. I'm so jealous. If he's on... If he's available around Christmas time, maybe he wants to hop on when Cannibal the Musical, our Christmas movie. Oh, tell <laughs> so him to come back. Yes. You know what? I'll, I'll bring it up to him. I, uh, I'll probably have to go through um, <laughs> through either John or Tom for that. But yeah, I can, I can, I can, yeah. Remind me later to, to hook that up. I'll see if I can sure. do it. I mean, nothing says on Christmas more than the song Let's Build a Snowman. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, that movie still holds up because we screened it. <clears throat> We screened it in 2019 at a bar in Chicago, and uh, P- 
people came out to see it and there were so many people laughing. You have to tell so listeners many, what you're talking about. They don't know. Uh, Cannibal the Musical. Uh, so yeah, that people at, that movie still holds up and people still loved it in 2018. Oh, the kids. There are, if, if you go on YouTube, there's actual um, high school productions of it as well. That's awesome. Oh, is there really? Yeah. No shit. How brutally disgusting and great at the same time. I wonder who the teachers. <laughs> I wonder who the teachers are. They definitely are just. They got to be my new heroes. If they let the students do that. <laughs> well, I mean, no, nothing. Nothing's greater than a triangle solo. That's all I can say. <laughs> 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 and that's hey, what so about yourself? Hear this? We'd love to have you on. <laughs> uh, Trey and Matt. I mean, to be honest, if you thought, I mean, Trey and Matt, I have to. My hats are off to them because, I mean, they still got the Book of Mormon still running on Broadway yep. and in the West End here. Are you serious? Yeah. And if you ever want to see a fantastic, fun show, watch that. It's one of the best musicals ever. It's a tremendous, especially when you get these Mormons trying to. um trying to convert the, the Zulu African tribe. <laughs> it sounds so sorry, sounds like that movie The Gods Must Be Crazy when he finds that Coke bottle. And remember that? <laughs> remember yeah. that movie? <laughs> yes. That movie's awesome. <laughs> I think that movie spawned like three sequels as well. Did it really? I don't yeah, know. Did, I just, yeah. All I remember is the first one. So you, you gotta watch this bit. Scott was telling about three months ago. He was saying you gotta watch this. Like, oh, I already hit that one up. I think the uh, third one, he finds a Pepsi bottle. No, I'm kidding, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Sean? What are you up to? Uh, well, I've been joining Joe alongside him for the uh, his horror movie watching journey. And uh, I also was not a fan of uh, Halloween Kills and I'll also, or Halloween Ends. I liked Halloween Kills, not a Halloween Ends. Uh, and I'll leave one it can only that. hope this is how it ends. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I, 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 jo I joked last night that I, I should probably watch another movie before I go to sleep. So if I die in my sleep, at least Halloween ends isn't the last movie I saw. Yes, that's what exactly. I did, but I watched one equally as bad. So I woke up in a foul mood. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I've, uh, I've been uh, just mainly watching a lot of TV, getting caught up on a lot of shows that I've been missed out on. I just finished She-Hulk and... Uh, Is that any good? Uh, I was told I'm going to hate it. You, so you'll I probably don't... hate it. It's frustrating. It's That's the best way I can describe it because it's trying to do things, but it feels like the writers have never written legal comedies and they're trying to write right? a sitcom legal comedy. Who's the and, lead? Who's the lead? Uh, I think her name is Tatiana Mislani. I think that's her, th how it's pronounced, but I could be mistaken. But she's good. She's decent as She-Hulk. It's just the characters are so one note, and it's okay. very, it's very on the nose. And when she breaks the fourth wall, it's cute. It's, it's there's cute. a problem. It's cute. That's the best way I can say. It. I'm it's like, it's cute. cute. Okay. Uh, it's not. It's not great. It's not dumb. Oh, I guess that's cute. It's a cute little gimmick. I guess I I don't I I I think I mentioned in a previous podcast I'm so done being invested in this Marvel universe I think it was Loki the first episode of Loki he's wandering around whatever place he's in he opens a drawer and he finds it filled with the MacGuffin of the right. Infinity Stones that they've been trying to build their entire franchise over for the right. last ten years and it's just scattered oh yeah we just collect these all over the all over the place. And you, I get what they're trying to say. You know, you're you're trying to say that okay, we're moving on to something more powerful than we've right. ever encountered before. But you've just kind of made the last ten years 
dismissed it in such a way. It's kind of, yeah, kind of made it null and void. I, I don't really care anymore. Okay. I, I've, I put 10 years worth of emotional investment in character growth and development. I'm with you. I'm with and, you. And I only watched the first two that, episodes of Loki. And, I only watched, yeah. and I couldn't finish watching the series. And now if we get tired of a character, we could just swap in. Oh, don't worry. This is one. And I love him. He's my favorite character. I, I like him too, him. but it's it's it feels like okay. Don't worry, we could just swap in a different Loki at a different stage in his life. We'll just film with a virtual reality Hollywood yeah. set, load him up with everything. Okay, we're cool. Now we're at uh, he's at the same point of our other one. Now let's move right. forward. And I'm, it's just I don't care. I can't care. But Daredevil was cool. Seeing Daredevil was awesome. It's great seeing my boy. Uh, but other than that, don't really care. The thing about doing like these multiverses is it makes it really easy for people to just be lazy. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Because you can just swap uh, you know, out toys from the toy chest. That's all I'm going I'm I'm to kill this character off, but then I need him for something else. Oh, we'll bring him in from another universe. And there right. he is again. Oh, in this universe, yeah, he didn't yeah. die. So we're just going to bring him in. Hey, let's. we need a Fantastic Four for one for a one no cameo. Let's see if we can get Chris Evans back to play it again. He, he It's always, he loved playing Johnny Storm. In, in the old movies they like, kind of did that with love and thunder they kind of had yeah. quite a few cameos i actually enjoyed that one the other day well, you know? love and thunder apparently killed the thor franchise because from what i from what yeah, i they're saw not they're doing not doing thor five yeah yeah they just said no this is it we're not doing another one well uh, i find it that was basically really goofy. What they, i liked it though those what i find movies. with the Mar the marvel universe anyway they just kind of re keep recycling the same storylines over yeah. and over yeah. just with different yeah. characters i will even say, like this even like a couple of tv series i want to call I'm not a huge Marvel fan anyway. I'm a more of a DC fan. But um, the Marvel TV series I've noticed is like, I remember I was watching like one, maybe it was WandaVision or something. Yeah, it was WandaVision. WandaVision. And then I watched yeah. and then I watched another one. It's like, it had like the same storyline going through the other one. It's just different thing. characters. I will say like, that, I will say as far as like, when you get to the end of the series, it is addressed. The, the one of the good things about She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall, she is has the able the ability to break out of her own show and visit Marvel Studios. So there is that which I thought was kind of fun. But if they follow through on what they set up in the final episode of addressing, yeah, okay, all these things are formulaic. Hey, this these plots are all kind of one note. Hey, you're kind of just doing the same thing over and over again. If they follow through on that and going forward they do something different, I'm all for it. If it's just a one-note joke to end your series, then you know I kind yeah. of point where I'm done. Uh, it, it, you got to actually follow through on it, it. What they did on this one, again, I'm kind of wondering if it's just because it's Disney Plus, though. I wonder because it's like, oh, it's a captive audience; it's on a streaming service, so therefore right. we're a bit lazy. It could be. Because because if you look at the DC stuff, like Titans, I love the Titans TV series. Oh God, Asher's watching it right now. He cannot stop watching it. I don't know how many seasons <laughs> yeah. are on, but I'm sitting here looking over. It's like, what's going on? Peacemaker yeah. was a lot of fun. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the heck out of that. Uh, Doom Patrol. Uh, I like Doom, Doom Patrol. Patrol I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's fantastic. I started the it's first really few episodes. I haven't gotten any further than that, but it looks good. And you know, I like I, I you know, I love the fact that you know they got the turmoil. You got Batman that does pop into Titans, you got uh him becoming Nightwing more and what that becomes and all the other stuff. So it's it's really well done, actually. Very well, very mature as well, though. It's a little bit more mature than you would think that it would be. It's not as family friendly as the Marvel stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, that, Scott, that I Scott Asher watching something last night. I think Adam Sandler said the word boner. And so <laughs> 
he doesn't know what that is. So I'm going to have to ask, explain to his mother why the kid wants to know what boner means this morning. <laughs> the only other, the, I will say the only other show that I'm watching, because I want to get to, I know Joe has got to get out of here, but uh, uh, earlier today, but um, I'm watching Chucky and Chucky is fantastic. Chucky yeah. is great. I haven't started it yet. I haven't started uh, it yet. Season two, we're up to two episodes. Jennifer Tilly is playing uh, Tiffany, the doll. I love Tiffany, her. The serial killer who then became a doll, who then transferred her doll spirit back into the body of actor Jennifer Tilly. Right. <laughs> so for the last few years, she's been living as Jennifer Tilly, I'm guessing poker player Jennifer Tilly, uh, and, and, and actor Jennifer Tilly. And it's one of the fun. And so she's playing this character who's living the lie of Jennifer Tilly. So she's constantly watching Liar Liar. Makes constantly. perfect sense. She's going up to children saying, hey, don't I recognize you? Aren't you a little bit young to have seen Bound? Oh my, she is just, <laughs> she is fantastic. I love her period. I love, I love Jennifer Tilly and everything. So highly recommend Chucky. Got I'll it. Check it out. Definitely go to my. Way. I think I think I think ch the child's play outside. There's only one film that's the week, and that's probably the third one. But yeah. I have to sit there and say it's probably the most consistent franchise out there. Really, I'll give you Don that. Don has kept it together <laughs> since the beginning, and and with the exception of the of the reboot that came out, that could have possibly derailed everything. Thankfully, you know, he was able to keep everything going through the TV show. And yeah, they can upgrade that last straight to video uh, movie went off. I, I, I think the reason those are so good is because they're made by the Universal Direct to Video unit. <clears throat> the, the, the last couple movies were oh, yeah. all direct to video movies, and Universal, I think, just, just, but whatever, whatever, just give us whatever that, do whatever the hell you want, just make sure we can market it. And those last couple Chucky movies, I, I did not think they would be as good as they were. But I think if they were theatrical, mm -hmm. they probably would not have been good because they probably, I didn't think they were going to be any good. But you actually got vested in people, and I mean, they, they pull you in somehow. So that can, somebody the character Mika right. is is a great character, and and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, what's his name? The guy. Uh, what, what's her real name? Fiona Dorf. It's uh, yeah. yeah, Brad Dorf's Bra daughter. Brad's it's, daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's Brad's daughter, and on the series, she plays young Charles Lee Ray in wow. in flashbacks, and she gets his oh. voice down and everything. It's it's Wicked. weird. This, it's it's become kind of this whole big happy family. Before we knew it was her. <laughs> Before we knew it was her, we were like, yeah, what big, yeah. Charles Lee Ray is really good. It That's actually looks like Brad and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited because they're bringing Glendon Glenda into it as well. <laughs> yes. They yes. just they just rang the doorbell the other day. So we're we're just episode. bringing them in now. So Glendon <laughs> Glenda. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> and what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Um, family's been home most of the week. We're having a kind of like a pre-winter break. So Asher's been hanging out. We've been watching Titans, or he's been watching Titans. He's even got it on right now. The kids just transfixed. He's going to have brain rot by the time he leaves my house. Um, what did I watch? I watched My Best Friend's Exorcism. Anybody watch that? Highly I, recommend. I'm waiting to check that out. I'm going to check that Highly out. Highly recommend. My, uh, totally love it. It's to cheesy as fuck, but it's it's really, it's worth it. It is. Um, check that out next, next week, I think. Yeah. The Northmen. Okay. I could have used a little more brutality. Maybe a little more though. sex. <laughs> I mean, Tom, that's that match, that uh, sporting game. It was it was like medieval uh, lacrosse or whatever it was. That was something cool. like that. Something yeah. like that. I remember that's... when we were, we were watching the Northman. I turned to Sean. And I was like, "This is just Hamlet, isn't it?" 
Yeah. <laughs> it's what? It's just Hamlet. Yeah, yeah basically. basically. Spiky Hamlet. His mother was a real cow too, so yeah. Um, yeah. Get fixed and watch Rings of Power. They're the 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 season finale. I can't believe eight weeks has gone by. Thank God I've got one, two. I've got two more weeks of House of Dragon. Which after the last episode, I was gonna give up, but now I'm sold. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna suffer through till the, whatever happens, only because of Damon. So everybody knows who Damon is. So and. On uh, top of that, I didn't think I was going to be any more disappointed by Halloween ends, but I turned on Jeepers Creepers Reborn, and I went a double whammy of disappointment last night, but I still got up and drank my coffee and found the reason to go on. <laughs> I'm telling you, double whammy of disappointment, but I won't, I'll leave it up to y'all to figure out. Maybe you might like it. Some people oh. do. So. The new Argento must be on Shutter because I think that was supposed to come out the thirteenth. Yeah, 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 yep, it started uh, last night. Which one? The new Dario Argento, Dark Glasses. I didn't see it on Shutter yet, I'm, so maybe it I'm, is. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on the road tonight, so I, I won't have any DVDs. So I'll have to I'll watch it on my tablet that I'm using right here. I'll bring this with me. There we go. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we want pictures of your little road trip. Oh, I, I will be going. You. I will be going. It'll be it'll be fun. It sounds like a ride. Sounds like a great time. I'm super jealous. What about you, Keith? What are you doing that's exciting? Nothing exciting. <laughs> um, just signed my contract with Dark House Anthology. So to work on the so computer happy games. For you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, Excellent. I I sold I sold a script that I wrote to them. God, I wrote it about 15 years ago and sold it to them. So they're turning into computer stuff game. Is like 15 or 20 years old. You know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm living off my youth. Um, you but um, but it, it's quite good. I mean, I, I quite like the idea of it because um, they sent me three of their, four of their games and I played them and basically they're movies and basically what, and they have like 32 different endings and it's not, it's not shoot them up or anything like that. Right. You're not shooting anything, but it's the choices you make um whether your characters live or die and it's it's quite interesting what they've done um actually tisdale does one um will powter from midsummer he's done one game he's done one game and um and who else has done one um oh and sean oh i can't have his face is there but apparently they're getting zach afron to do my to be in my one <laughs> you were telling me i'm so at least that's what they're touting at the moment but um if all comes well it'll be um they do them in seasons and every four um i'm guessing i'm going to be the end of season two for their games and they'll be out in 2028 so if i'm still alive (laughs) (laughs) so but no it's quite interesting so um i don't know i mean i don't know what they're doing with it because i gave them a full script and then of course they're going to have to write like quite a few different lines and character lines and everything like that to go with it because they're going to have to have their 32 to 64 different endings depending on how you play so so it'll be interesting to see how that goes along so so just signed the contract for that and then i watched a tv show which i have to admit i am my hat's off to colin hanks i'm loving him as an actor you know and he's done a, um, a tv series called a friend of the family I've not seen that. I saw a trailer for that last night before Halloween ends, and that looked good. Anything yeah, would have looked good at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is a true story. Um, basically, it's Anna Penquin plays the mom, Colin Hanks plays the dad. It's kind of weird to see that these two people are now playing parents, but um, 
kind of kind of makes you feel old after a while. But basically, it's a true story about like in the 60s, their best friend who's a next door neighbor starts grooming their little girl and then kidnaps her and then and then base keeps like kidnapping her. And it, I mean, I won't give too much of it away, but you're kind of watching this like, you know, it's, you know, you know, truth is a lot stranger than fiction. Let's put it that way. Nice. So sometimes. <laughs> And a couple things on Shutter that's quite worth is 101 scary movies is quite good. Their list is out. That's been going out and implements um, about 15 to Tubi's 20. Tubi's got some good ones thing. like that too. Tubi's got um, list which up. is, I mean, they they do all the normal stuff like the howling and right. the and so on. But every once in a while, they do bring something interesting out of it. And another thing I started watching is Queer Horror, which is on um, Shutter at the moment, which is talking really? about hor- horror films with a um, a queer like slant in it. The first one I watched is like, okay, here we go. The spiral's but the sec- good. But the, but the second one was really good because it's all about James Whale, which is excellent. Ah, all Interesting. right. So they go well, into actually- like The Bride, Frankenstein. They go into the old it's dark house. And and then they do Alfred, and they mix, they mix him up with Alfred Hitchcock. And about right, the two it's Frankenstein. That's similar. the one with the little old man that wants to be friends with him, right? That Because every time I see that, I think of Peter Boyle. I cannot get past that movie and not think of Peter Boyle anymore. I don't know why. You know? <laughs> the interesting well, thing is that uh, somebody, um, somebody at work recently started watching the Universal Monsters movies, and we were talking one night about subtext in them, and I'm like... The first two Frank, like the first two Frankenstein movies, something about them that felt like, well, they're about loneliness. They're they're James Whale basically being an you know outed gay person in the 1930s, and you think really so? just kind of just kind of well, I mean, the monster is you know somebody who's seen as being very yeah, he's very lonely throughout the entire thing. Yeah, so, I guess you're right. Well, he's yeah, for a he's looking for a maid, he's got no one to turn to because everybody he's, sees him as a monster. Yeah. And the women get pushed aside, and the and it's the two Work guys around. left alone in all the movies. So. I was like, "What happens on his wedding night? What happens on his wedding night?" Doctor Pretorius comes into his bedroom and takes him away from his wife. Yeah. Yes. Ah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, but look at the old dark house. I mean, it's got that lesbian checking her out while she's changing, while Gloria Stewart's t- taking off her clothes. Yeah, these things like, don't oh, go through my head now. I've got go back and rewatch well, it well that, that scene is you know i mean uh, she's feeling the uh uh the negligee and going this is fine stuff right. but it'll rot then she starts feeling um gloria stewart's chest and says this is finer stuff still but in, in time it'll rot and oh, yeah. i just think nothing of that well, look at look at the Invisible Man as well. I mean, there's enough gay subtext in that to last quite a few years as well. So yeah, interesting. Okay. What's it called again? It's what called Queer um, um Queer Horror. It's a documentary series. It's on um Shutter at the moment. Oh, cool! I said there's a Shutter. Shutter really pulls it out with a documentary series. Oh, okay. Shutter, yeah. It just sounds good. I've, I'm always interested in something with a new. And it's dr- it's directed by Brian Fuller as well. Uh-huh. The documentary is, so that makes it quite interesting. Check that out later. So besides that, that's about it. Besides work, and I haven't killed anyone yet, so that's quite good. Maybe next week. <laughs> so. <laughs>
Well, this brings us to Batman the Animated Series, and we'll be discussing our first episode, which is Pretty Poison. When District Attorney Harvey Dent collapses after a meal with his fiancée, Pamela Isley, and friend Bruce Wayne, doctors discover that he has been poisoned and is up to Batman to find the culprit and find the antidote before time runs out. Starting with you, Sean, what are your thoughts of Pretty Poison? I really enjoyed this episode we finally got to get a glimpse of the relationship of bruce wayne and harvey dent and see a little bit of the seeds of where everything grew from uh no pun no you know, poison ivy pun oh intended. no pun intended <laughs> uh but it is one of those things where you you get to see kind of the origins of their friendship a little bit and also you get the introduction of Poison Ivy, one of the most iconic villains in- I love her. She's like my favorite villain. She really she's is. She's really- One good. of my favorites. And it's, it's the way she's introduced is completely different than everything I've seen. She's a, a more of a seductress coming in. Uh, she has an agenda. She, you don't know. She's coming out She's there. just drawn that way. <laughs> Which <laughs> I get a little bit of red dress too. I do get a little Jessica Rabbit vibe from her. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, she um, comes in though with an agenda to basically you screwed over my pl- you took everything that matters to me my plants my babies and that's how she's always been with her her, her flowers and this uh, deadly flower is all of its left of its kind and she's going to use it to exact revenge however she can you gotta almost kind of appreciate why she's pissed though that's the thing. If you have a good motivating, a good motivation for doing these things, it, it, you get a little bit more sucked in. She's good. She's really good in, in, in terms of making you want to root for her a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's a Batman story. Batman did her well, voice. Well, I love the scene early on in the restaurant where uh, she's walking out of the restaurant and all the uh, there's one guy that catch a mid sentence and I forget what he was talking about. Yeah, but he just stops himself and just looks at him and goes, "Oh." Well, they all were kind of <laughs> looking at her walk by. I mean, she's got a perfect hourglass figure in this cartoon. Uh, Poison Ivy is played by Diane Pershing. Okay, Pershing. I didn't. Pershing. I saw where the guys. I didn't see who played. Who did her voice? All right, I mean, um, I have to sit there and say also is that pretty. Uh, with poison ivy i mean she is the ultimate eco warrior as well yes she is so she's got some validity you can't really hate her you know like you could like what a, like like scarecrow or any of that make it beautiful mm-hmm. that's all it's, 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 you, can tell, you can tell how times have changed that this this woman who's like all about saving the planet they're like oh let's make her a bad guy she just wants to plant some trees make some flowers grow what and is some trees yeah that? Tonight's episode, Poison Ivy will be played by Greta Thunberg. Yeah. (laughs) See, that that, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't work at all. Because, Uh, you know, she'd be offended by everything. So. Well, I mean, um, I mean, another interesting thing about the whole thing is, is that you actually see, you actually see Bruce Wayne more as Bruce Wayne in this episode for the first time. There's more about him a little bit. Well, they kind of show him as just a regular dude underneath that Batman costume because he's not, he's not like he's not susceptible to his surroundings or other people. This was the first one that really showed the balance of, okay, you're going from fighting crime. Okay, oh, wait, I'm late for dinner. I got to get back to the Batcave. I got to jump out of the, the car. I got to hop right into my suit. I got to hop. Which one am I taking? Oh, I'm taking the Studebaker. All right, I'm hopping in the Studebaker. I got to get to the dinner. And he, and he made it just and, in time for cocktails. It was the first and Alfred is standing there with his suit. Alfred is standing yeah, there with his suit, ready to, ready to go. 
Try try to I say need an Alfred just for Rick. Yeah. I just I, I just want somebody to hand me. A, I was like, my life would be so much. Coffee easy. in the morning and tell me to get my shit straight, and then I and then I won't need you anymore. Here's a well, this is this is the new Alfred as well, isn't it? Yeah, new Alfred now. New Alfred. Alfred was yep, played by new voice. Ephra, uh, Ephraim uh, Zim. I'm going to butcher this name. Zimbalist. Zimbalist. Zimbalist Jr. Yeah, Jr. Yeah. Was his father a spy? He is, but he, I mean, he, he did a lot. Of, but Zimbalist did a lot of films as well. I mean, he's very, very well established actor as well. I mean, he's like old Hollywood. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. So what's the story? So, did he... The other one um, had uh, got another job or something. The old Alfred, so they asked him to do uh, it. Uh, all right, was keen or, right. or something, something along that. those lines, sort of thing. Well, this this was only episode five, so I mean, right. they, they were still tinkering out everything. Uh, we're in the upcoming episodes. We're going to hear different voices, uh, or the original voice of the Joker, Tim Curry, slipping in there. And, oh God, I love Tim Curry. So, I mean, you're going to hear mm. certain things that. Uh, as they swap everything out and get their footing it took them a couple mm. episodes <laughs> but they also get episode. i mean i guess this is the first time that you actually get kind of a more of a backing story for a villain as well you know because yeah. before joker was just there joker's here yeah the, joker just threw you right in yeah. well she's educated and established she's been around for a while so she's got a PhD in botany and all that other stuff. What was it? The Gotham? What was it? They burned down. It was the uh, uh, arboretum. It wasn't an art. Was it the Del the Gotham Arboretum? Is that what it was called? Well, they they're tearing they're tearing down. Um, they're digging up the. Well, they were building the penitentiary. They were building the precisely, to, and that's and that's and that's where all the rare plants. Um, plants. You would were, think uh, that they would the move rose. all the rare. Before they no, die. they don't. They don't. They don't. Though I mean, if they ever, if they ever, if you look at anything, I mean, whenever society, smoke. whenever society rebuilds anything, I mean, half times they're lucky if they move the bodies. But even in a cemetery, I mean, there's been cases where that, I mean, where you thought poltergeist is like, oh my god, this is horrific, is now becoming com quite commonplace now. Well, that, that, that is happen. actually commonplace because when I was working for a cultural resource management company as an archaeologist, we would have to go dig up. Which make sure there was no Indians, nothing, none of that, or there there might be bodies here and there. Well, we established that, but whether or not they moved them after, I don't know. That wasn't my job. Oh. So, I mean, now I think I mean now I mean like here they're doing church conversions at the moment, and in all the old churches there are bodies underneath the churches. Oh God! Yeah. And and how they um and they don't move the bodies. All they have to do is they have to um they do something that basically is. They they that that way they keep the, they bless them and then they concrete over them because they're still consecrated ground because of the, yeah because they're concrete so that's what they're doing now so I don't know where you're gonna put them I mean the face basically no matter where you are your somebody's home is gonna be on somebody's burial it's just the way it is mm. you know civilization well, is built like London my God that's a perfect example it's just built one thing on top well, of another if you ever been in a Riyadh like in Morocco. There's like 10 stories of civilization below that. It's just wild. Well, it's, it's interestingly enough here is that there's a thing called Primrose Hill where you go on top of the hill and you can see all over London. And then we have Parliament Hill. And the reason why they're hills is because that's where all the plague victims are underneath that. So when you go on the tube, your ears pop as it's going down underneath these graves and going back up. <laughs> is that where they buried them all? 
Yeah, that's what I didn't know that. Epic hills. So now you have beautiful views of London on these hills. <laughs> on top of like, death and destruction. Yay. Uh, well, like, I mean, sounds I, like a movie. Well, and especially after World War II, we got we got like Alexander Palace. That, that's another hill that was made from all the ruins from World War II and stuff after the bombings and stuff. So, right. You know, so I guess some good can come out. I guess. <laughs> Somewhere to have your Sunday picnics and stuff. But anyway, they did legitimize her villain, villainery or villainess or whatever. But well, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've seen Poison Ivy outside of the comic books because I don't think she was in the Batman series. Uh, the she, was not in the, she was not in the 60s series, no. So, yeah, I guess they have to give her a backstory because the, the general viewing audience doesn't know it. With the Joker, Joker's been around forever at this yeah. point. So, Joker's already been in media for 30 years or close yeah. to 30 years oh, so yeah you just hit the well, ground you know if you want to count batman in, in the 60s oh, much longer well, years. i guess another i guess another thing with poison ivy is in the 90s is the start of your eco warrior people trying to save trees yeah. with their dreadlocks <laughs> Stuff. and that and that's and that that stuff started happening like in the late 80s early 90s and it started becoming a thing a big well, movement, which is yeah. more of a thing now today we had eco warriors um basically glue themselves to the wall with the national portrait and threw tomato soup on a original van gogh I just, painting i just saw the uh the they need the to be bitched i'm sorry yeah. that's not the way we, to do it I heard the painting well, okay, had, but the frame is a little bit messed up. But I heard the painting. Yeah. Okay. But um, and then they basically just sat there and holding can, um, cans tomato soup to everyone that was passing by. But then we've had Echo Warriors here. Basically, um, people have died here because they were basically um, gluing themselves to the interstate here. To I'm sorry, to, but that's just fucking stupid. I mean, well, the thing. <laughs> But the, but the thing is, is what what the reason why people were dying is not is not the eco warriors that the ambulance couldn't get their couldn't take stroke people having heart attacks to the hospital. They were dying. But they the were doing down here in Dallas. Sick. That's why we get protesters. Everybody just runs right through them now. People are sick. Yeah. They need to be to a hospital. Like, that's well, you have to be careful because if you run down, if you run them down, then you're at fault. So there's an <laughs> so eco. There's a good way to do things, and there's not a good way to. Do. You want people precisely. To- yeah, that's just not a good way to do things. I think I think the best way to protest basically is to make sure that you protest and that people support you. But if you make yeah. it so that people turn against you because they're not able to, you know, take their dying they loved one to the hospital. Yeah, that happened yeah, here so. in Dallas a couple of years back. They wouldn't get. A, I mean, I, I understand what I understand what they're doing, and I kind of yeah. like I, I kind of support their cause, but I don't yeah. I don't support the way that they're doing. The method's kind of squirrely. Yeah. yeah, if you're if you're destroying art. You're going to the the very people who would more likely be on your side are, not are going, going to, to turn be. on you. Yeah, so that's not I the way think. to do it. I don't think destroying, defacing, or destroying is the way to save anything. If it means, I, I, I'm at a loss for for that. Like, I it's destroying art is not is not going to make your point. A Van Gogh, come on, you know, yeah. I always have a problem because they always seem to be unemployed people that are doing this. <laughs> Or they live in their mother's cellar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. You know, 
shouldn't you be at work? <laughs> why, why, don't you, should, why don't you just do this on the weekend so that way you can say, like, oh, well, you're, at least you're working. Okay, I'm looking behind your paws. I'm going to be a weekend <laughs> warrior. I'll just go to face things on the weekends, but I'll hold my nine to five, yeah. <laughs> well, your your museums are going to be fuller on the weekends, aren't they? They're going to be on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Depending on where you are. You, you'll get more of a family audience that way. So, um, but... Uh, but yeah, I think I think this is a good introduction to Pretty Poison as well. Yeah. And I think that it's quite interesting to have this really sexy female villainess with a huge brain as well. Yeah. And I and I quite like the way that they've given her a really good. They wanted you to know that she was script. educated. That's for sure. They made sure you yeah. get all these degrees in botany and chemistry. If you want to intimidate, you know, you want to intimidate men, you, you make a really beautiful woman really intelligent. That's really intelligent. Yeah. You're going to, yeah, you're going to set off uh, certain people who, who just won't be able to deal with it. So, yeah, it, it works. I still know and people that I, are I like also that, like right? the idea that you can see the scope that they're going for as well now as well. It's like yeah. bringing Harvey Denton and bringing a little bit of him in there. And, you know, remember this because next month we'll be dealing with Harvey Dent Harvey sort Dent, of thing. Yeah. So it's also Two the things, first right? introduction of Renee Montoya, who has a bigger thing in, an, in a later episode we talk about. It, right. It's, mm. it's who ends up being a major character, I guess, a major side character in the animated right. series. So it, 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 is, uh, well, it is definitely building, doing great world building. Yeah. And a lot of these characters will become so popular that they actually start coming into the whole comic book series themselves. Right. So. Yeah. Well, Uma Thurman, oh, she's late the Poison Ivy. She was perfect for it. Remember Uma Thurman? I loved her when she played that. Or Well, interestingly enough, because of the springboard of Poison Ivy here, this would actually, the way they do Poison Ivy in the Batman computer games is very interesting as well. The one you know. of the video games, the Batman, I think it was Batman, the Adventures of Batman and Robin, The uh, there's a whole level that is basically based on the Venus flytrap scene. Or, oh really? Or, yeah, there's a whole level. Of- oh, we can't forget about the Venus flytrap scene. I always <laughs> keep thinking of Little Shop of Horrors when I watch this episode. Didn't it remind you of Little Shop of Horrors? Kind it of. Does. They were originally thinking Audrey too, but then they said, "Ah, we got to go a little bit different. We had to go to a different style of look." But originally, they were they were thinking, yeah, "We want Audrey too. That's that's what we envision." Well, it did have vocal cords because it did like moan and groan every once in a while. A little so. bit. <laughs> I kind of felt bad when he started carving it up. I was like, oh, man, he's killing her friend. No. I was just well, thinking, oh. I mean, and I, I like that she stays true to herself way to the end as well, sort of thing. I mean, the simple fact that, you know, she'd rather kill herself than have her plant killed. I mean, it was it almost became a choice there, didn't it, where, you know, it's get the fire starts and so. Right. Yeah, have one of her babies in prison with her, so there at least there's that. I know. Well, why would they give her a toxic plant to stay in prison with her? But okay. The Gotham Arkham uh, security is definitely the weirdest. They let you. They let Mister Freeze in with his suit. They let people. Anybody can can get away. Anybody Anybody can get get out out at any time. Okay. If I was going to get locked up, it would be in Gotham because everybody escapes from that place. The pay structure and the benefits must suck in Gotham. That's the only way I can think. A lot of people looking at taking breaks and looking the other way. Well, well, also look look at the look at the. The, the cells themselves i mean they're not like state-of-the-art cells are they they're yeah, not like run down victorian up. jail 
And they're supposed to have just built this one, right? You should go to Bruce. Should go to Metropolis. Talk to Lex. Hey, look, you get you got some good tech. Let's get over here. Build a prison over here. <laughs> Work it out. Might be a good idea. But, no. but then it'll take away the whole HP Lovecraft aesthetic that it has. <laughs> right. Right. Which is our, that's where Arkham comes from. Is HP Lovecraft, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, a little nod there. Precisely. Our next episode is The Underdwellers. Batman traces a series of bizarre robberies of the streets of Gotham back to a band of homeless children who have raised to the bidding of their master, the Sewer King. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of The Underdwellers? I kind of, I, I really enjoyed this one. It kind of humaned up Batman a little bit where he is in such an iconic, uh, you know, crime fighter. He's got a heart, you know, and it's obvious. Well, when anytime there's children involved, you know, you, you it kind of tugs at your heartstring, even though it was a cartoon. But um, the, the fact that he was, they were like the insane sewer king, I guess you want to call him that. Did he have a name? The sewer, king. The sewer, the sewer king. king. Yeah, the sewer the, king. The sewer king. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of a disgusting person. That army he, of alligators. Well, yeah. And I mean, you just, you, you're kind of wondering how well, how, you know, how long has this been going on? But Gotham yeah. City, does Gotham ever get cleaned up? I mean, is Gotham always going to be a shithole forever? <laughs> For the purposes of the story, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we need it to be a shithole forever. In order... <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's a kind of Oliver's, like, uh, Oliver. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty much Fagin, isn't he? Yeah. A demented Fagin. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it did definitely had that little hint of Oliver to it. So, I mean, that's what got going through my mind when I was watching this. But, I mean, he was kind of a disgusting character. But the kids, <clears throat> uh, it kind of, that also kind of reminded me, I don't know why, of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where he goes yes. in to save them all. Yeah. That was going I, through my head. I had short round about. vibes. I had short round vibes the yeah, entire time. Yeah, definitely short round vibes. Okay, the kid, the, I think the kid, I, th I want to say the kid's name was Frog, the one that that is Frog? Yeah, it was yeah. Frog. Frog. Yeah, it was he because he's the one that went missing. Then uh, Sewer King yeah. was freaking out if he couldn't find him. Yeah. He he definitely had the short round vibes coming in when he came in and swung in to save the day the whole time. And the kids, I think I even mentioned to Joe when we were watching it. I'm like, oh, you get a little Temple of Doom as all the children are heading into the red light. I'm like they're going. Yeah, to, it was said, kind of the same. They're going to beat Molaram. So yeah. yeah. It's the vibe. You got the big, the big Harry Krishner guy, or whatever you want to call him, <laughs> waiting there to fight Harrison Ford. But well, I'm kind of wondering if they have problems. I'm kind of wondering if what the original story was, and they changed this a little bit. You think for the censors? Well, maybe. Yeah. I think they're gonna. I think the original story probably had him feeding the kids to the alligator. <laughs> oh, you think? There, yeah. There's definitely a vibe that if a kid messes like up, he's gonna be dinner. I, I think that's yeah. there's a. It's a very well, they don't really spare your feelings in any of these cartoons. It's very dark. I mean, I mean they're not really sparing mm -hmm. you. The thought is going through your mind. So maybe that was the whole point. Yeah. You know, I just seemed it just seemed like, oh, you know, this is the, you know, when he takes the one boy, you know, because you hear the boy utter a word. So um it's probably the only I think it, to be honest, it's kind of weird. We hear the kid cry out and we hear the kid say one i think he says like three words and that's the only kid that says anything throughout the whole 
episode. Yeah. So I th- for a while there, I thought maybe the rest of them had their vocal cords torn out or something by the sewer king because they don't say anything. But then he goes, oh, you know, you know, now it's the end for you and da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden it kind of switches to him and he puts him into a bright, you know, puts him in a dark closet and turns on a bright light. I thought, oh, I wonder if this is the way this is, po- this is the way it was originally written or did they have to change it really quick? Because the only way that they had to do that is put some sunglasses on the kid that's rescued later on to kind of you know, give him a little bit of business there. So that was a, be a quick, a quick fix. Cause I'd be like, I got a feeling they probably did feel them to the, to the alligators. alligators. They look, well, they look well-fed and I'm sure they're not eating the, you know, the pickpocketings of the children. <laughs> they're bringing well, the guy wasn't going to be, he wasn't, he wasn't a nice overlord. So you're probably right. They might've, I don't know. This was not, was this like Saturday morning material back in the 90s? Yes. I can't remember. Was it, it? They used, yeah. it used to, I, at least in the States, in the Midwest, it aired, I want to say nine in the morning, uh, bet- either before or after Power Rangers. And around, before or after, I remember Power Rangers. R- roughly around that. So yeah, it, it was around nine in the morning, I think I said. I remember it airing like three, three to 3.30 in the afternoon in New York. Oh, okay. So I, I so we, we got it out here on T4, which was on a Sunday morning at around 11 o'clock. And it was it was booked with that and um, some live live action thing. T4 was basically this hip and trendy children's show that basically blocked things together. I also could be thinking oh, I think I think I like saved, I think Saved by the Bell was partnered with it and Saved by the Bell. Uh, that was so unusually stupid, but likable at the same time. I, I might also just be thinking of it in syndication because maybe, you know, uh, maybe that's why I'm thinking it was on later in the afternoon because I remember it being on after I got home from school. So. I think it was on um, not Cartoon Network, but one of those kind of sh- oh, channels oh, as well. Oh, uh, but it's with a B. Like Boomerang? No, this is. It later. wasn't on Boom. No, Boomerang did the old. Boomerang was more um, Flintstones and things like yeah, that. Yeah, the kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking, I, I got a feeling it was on one of those, for some You're reason, right. I, I, just I, can't I, have a, I have a partnered with Powerpuff Girls, but I was really into the Powerpuff Girls at the same time. I was the later this, seasons, so. I know the later seasons aired on WB, so I don't know if they, what they're, and I forget. That might be I, what I'm thinking of. That, that's maybe, probably maybe. what you're thinking of. Maybe, they w, maybe it is. Because WPIX WB. became WB in uh, in New York. Okay, that makes sense. So that me. might be what I, why I'm thinking it was on in the afternoons. WPIX doesn't, doesn't exist anymore? It still exists. Uh, but it, it's but it, it was a WB over, for a while. I don't know if it's still a WB UPN or not. Now. It's probably UP or not UPN or whatever. Uh, the CW. The CW. Uh, no. Oh, it could uh, be. oh yeah, CW and uh, WWOR turned into UPN. That was Channel Nine where, where I was growing up. Uh, I, I don't know what any of them are now. Like we I, had all the same stations. I was just trying to. Remember. Yeah. I think WPIX was still on when I was home visiting there, mom and dad. There. WPIX still exists now. It's just I don't know I, what the what the uh, what they do. I don't know if they're affiliated with WB or CW okay, or anything. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I know the later seasons of that um, started being paired up with Buffy here in the afternoon, sort okay. of thing. Because I think because that was WB as well, wasn't it, Buffy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was. So, that was. Yeah. So that's so I remember that being paired up on that Sunday afternoon sort of thing here. So. There's also rumblings about rebooting. <clears throat> Mm. Oh, Buffy! Uh, I'd actually shoot. Who did I hear about? Yeah, somebody, I, somebody famous. I uh, I already forgot who it was though. Is going to be Buffy. 
can't, can't I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll keep I'll keep an open mind with it. I, I would, mean, but I usually don't I, like. I, but I I do think that but what made Buffy work probably was Josh Whedon, mm, even yeah. though his name's a bit dirt now. Apparently, everyone was abused on that show. 20 years later 20 30 years later is it is it really her feelings or was the guy just making everybody worse i think i think that i think on buffy the buffy was a really hard show to do and you had everything you had everything had to be done on time and it was 24 hour 24 episodes per year right um, and I think, and then you had the special effects, you have the stunts, you have everything else going on with it. And I think that you had a shot, you had two days to shoot it, one day oh, to shit. block That's it, one day to read. Oh God. Yeah. And, and, it, and then it, it was before and they shot at night as well. So it, you, you know, almost have to with that series. I got a feeling it's basically you had to hit your mark. And if you didn't hit your mark, you probably got yelled at a lot. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, you know, and then like I mean the later ones. I mean, Xander, yeah, Nicholas Brandon was becoming a bit of a drug addict at that time <laughs> in the later episodes, and there's problems with that, and you know, and then you know, and then you got Sarah Jessica Parker and Willow wanting movie Sarah careers Geller at the same Sarah. time, but their careers are still up. So you got Willow going back and forth between the American Pie franchise. Oh, that's right, Buffy. that's right. She was doing those too. Yeah, and then you got and you got Sarah, you know, Buffy going between the grunge and coming back, and what what I did last summer and coming back, and they were filming at the same time, and I imagine it was quite a stressful time <laughs> for everyone involved, sort of thing. So, you know, and then you had Seth Green, who was supposed to be a regular, but then he got a chance to do Austin Powers, so they had to cut right. his character short and move him forward. So I imagine, you know, there's a lot of missing parts. So I imagine that. I think it probably was a hard shoot. And, and then too big. it just got too big. That it, it was in everybody involved. You might be was, right, Sean. That might be, it, might be it was point. like, it felt like in terms of star power, it was almost becoming like friends in a way. Everybody yeah. was becoming. Yeah, honestly, that's a good point. I would have never put that together, but yeah, you're kind of right. And, you know, yeah. Joss, Joss is running it all. I mean, if he's show running, he's going to. Mm-hmm crack probably and yeah. well, Sarah yeah, Geller yeah. was carrying the whole show there for yeah. a while too that's why she Allison got Hannigan it. too I mean I forget if American if it was still going when American Pie yeah uh, Ameri- she was too. that's why she, American Pie was taken off and yeah and then you also had um you know Anthony Head also and in summertime he's coming over here doing theater and then popping back over there and then he started doing more tv shows in this country which is creating a problem in that over there so you know, and that's not included. I mean, it was a very ambitious show, and it's probably one of the first soap operas. That's, I mean, this is like the template what all shows will become later on. That every show's a soap opera now. You know, this is this wasn't Dallas or Dynasty. This was like soap opera for teenagers. Now, right? It know. was. We Riverdale. It really was. We have the Riverdales, yeah. and we have all sort of like other. the Vampire Diaries. But I still yeah. well, love the well, Vampire I mean, Diaries. So. But even even if you look at shows like Bones and on all cop shows and CSI, they're all soap operas now as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like continuing like storylines. Anatomy, so, huge, huge soap opera for sure. But if you look at shows before Buffy, what happened was they're episodic. So if something happens, and you know, say you're in Barnaby Jones or Starsky and Hutch or Charlie's Angels or any of those kind of shows, to be continued. Well, no, what happened basically? Any changes that those characters had, whatever happened to them in that episode 
they had a clean slate the next episode like that this stuff never happened that's true that's true so, so but yeah but uh, that was the issue with episodic television in general back then it's not like now the 90s. You can just, well i mean up until recently because up until really like shows started popping up on netflix you really couldn't have a continuity because all it took was missing one or two episodes because you had to work late and suddenly you're fucked like dark shadows <laughs> there was no way to catch up with that shit if you missed one Oh yeah, well, that, dark, that, that's what the well. That's what the problem with the Dark Shadows reboot that happened in the nineties. Um, the Gulf problem basically is, and and Twin Peaks suffered from this as well. That the Gulf War started, mm-hmm. and it's just like TV was <laughs> emptied for like two months, and then they kind of got okay. Let's start programming again. I really was getting into that too. I was, getting, I was so getting into that Dark Shadows yeah. too, and not, but then the Gulf War happened. It's like son of a bitch. Yeah, and it's kind of, it was kind of hard to get back in. And this is before TiVo. Yeah, because <laughs> you have TiVo. Yeah, before yeah. TiVo, before Netflix, before all that stuff. So that's why every every show has to be reset at the end. It has to be yeah. right back to where they were at the beginning. Exactly. And buying TV exactly. and buying TV shows on video are still kind of a a, a niche kind of a market. Not yeah. like today, where you can pretty much you know show comes out and you pretty much two months later you got the whole show on DVD, Blu-ray, or whatever. So yep. So, but um. But yeah, but going back to Underdwellers, I mean, it's there's a lot of references to the underbelly that we're going to get to later on in other episodes of Batman as well, which is quite interesting that they're painting this world that it's almost like a metropolis, you know, the um, film that basically the poor are under the ground and the right. richer, the, the, the richer you are, the higher up on the ground that you are and your high rises and stuff. I don't like which, how it is now. <laughs> because <laughs> i mean so, so you're gonna start you know so you do start getting some of these things that basically the poor people are like underneath the ground in the underdwellers sort of thing the only problem i have with this episode in itself is it's like these kids come up out of the ground um they're thrown into this bright light um can't they see seem to be okay with glasses. it well they seem to be okay with it but the question is is what happens to them now where do they go like just to the orphanage well you saw that a little old lady looked like uh like cps or whatever was walking away with some of them the matronly old lady yeah yeah but a- as we as we know fostering for kids doesn't really work out all that well it doesn't work at all like, <laughs> I, I totally 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 disagree with the whole system so so are they all orphans because like what like well, i know were, some of them were runaways well some of them were kidnapped weren't they I would, uh, yeah, I was assuming that some of them were abducted. It, it, it doesn't seem like it must have been because, yeah, well, he's, he does say, Do you want me to send you back up to the light? Uh, back up to the light where, where, uh, where, where nobody loved you. So yeah. there's a bit of Stockholm he's, syndrome, maybe a bit of, yeah, I mean, it's like, a if they get out of hand, like, he shoves them in the room and forces them to just stare at the bright light so that if they do leave the dark, they, they can't take it and they have to come back to him. It's, really brainwashes uh, them. Yeah, it's, there's there's a bit of the cult thing, which is you know I'm you know the uh, if you utter a word to anybody outside, you're going to be punished, right. which is which is a thing that all that that, that cults basically do. Um, so there's that aspect of it too. So there's yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Now I am wondering, like Keith, if this was something that would have been maybe a little darker. You, you I guys also might think... be right. You guys. Might... Yeah. Well, I mean, also with the fagging character anyway, if you look at the fagging character in Oliver, he's not the cute little pick a pocket or two in the musical. 
Fagan is basically taking kids there, basically keeping them from going to the workhouses at that time. So they were like runaways and parents have died from Claudia and all the other stuff people were dying in Victorian time and offering the self salvage, but it's a false security anyway, because, you know, he's, he's pretty much pimping them out to work, whether they're pickpocketing and sort of thing. And then there's also in the original Charles Dickens novel, anyway, there is a undercurrent about what else these kids are doing as well. But well, it's kind of a child it, but trafficking like vibe, isn't it? Kind of, sort of. Yeah, yeah kind of like that. I mean, the thing is, I mean, the kids aren't being well taken care of. I no, mean, they're, all, they're wearing rags. They're dirty r- rags. They're out stealing. They're coming back. Then I don't know if they're being fed. I mean. I'm not quite sure when he's carving up the turkey that he's going to offer it to the kids or he's just going to oh, yeah. eat it in front of them. <laughs> he was just like... sitting there. What a douchebag. Just sitting there eating that. Yeah. I mean, that kind of reminded me of the character we got coming up in the other one. There's too, a lot but... of There's similarities a... between the, both episodes. Lots of gluttony yeah. and o- yeah. obesity in these cartoons, I've noticed. Lots of... <laughs> I, Have I, you I, noticed I, that? Just people just shoving food in their... I mean, they're just like 600 pounders, you know? I mean, just... The ugly oh. villains. I mean, they they get like the basic dregs of society. I mean, they're really scraping the barrel for these nasty characters. That's what makes them so legit. I think, you know, mm. they they just are. I mean, who doesn't like kids except Keith? Really? I mean, we don't want to see kids, <laughs> you know, being suffered suffering in the sewers of New York City or Gotham for that matter. I, I like certain kids. Most of them, I'm not. I'm not a like fan that of. kid from Halloween last night. He had it coming. <laughs> I mean, should have known better. I mean, I have to also say, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the show kind of ends and it's, it's kind of like tied up in a little bow, and you think, okay, but then, but then when you start thinking about it, it's like, God, the cycle psychological problems these kids are having. Oh my it's god! Like, oh my god! They're all to be supervillains. Uh, or grow I mean, up to I, be little Lex Luthers or something. Well, yeah. some some of them are probably gonna commit suicide, or you know, <laughs> this is like there's not gonna be happy. I don't think it's gonna be a, you know, if you think that every like horror child who's had like a really traumatic upbringing and stuff like this, I what they're saying, I think that it's like one was it like no, it's what what's this three out of seventy six kids in a really traumatic episode might have a full full adult life the rest of them tend to have really like tore up sorted lives not good odds not good odds no not at all so when i'm watching this i'm thinking like oh you saved them from to another kind of hell (laughs) basically yeah i mean that's what's gonna happen unless you know unless bruce wayne comes in and builds a new orphanage or a new psychiatric center for children who knows so that's the thing. When a lot of these cases, his heart does come into play and he yeah. starts, hey, you know what, I'll throw a little bit more money at this foundation. I'll throw a little bit more money at this charity and I'll try to do the right thing. And it, and maybe it's just him buying off his guilt and buying off his own emotional mm. trauma. But He know, just has nothing but guilt and trauma. No matter what much. show you watch, no matter which cartoon you watch, there's that Gotham will dark, continue to benefit internalized from suffering, you know? Mm-hmm. Gotham well, will benefit from it all. I mean, an inter- and I think another interesting thing is with um, Batman ha- loves to torture Alfred, doesn't he? Yes, <laughs> for Alfred. Does. Alfred has to do everything, that poor bastard. When, when he's like running around, I mean, basically Alfred's got to be, I don't know, Alfred's got to be like in his 60s maybe. 
70. Saying, he's very older than that. He's, he's, he's older. He raised him. He raised Batman. How old is Batman? Yeah, but I would say, be, I say right Bruce now. Wayne's probably late 20s, early 30s, maybe. Early 30s, I would say. Yeah, probably. That's, that's so you know, even if Alfred, so he's got to be sixty. So if, let's say Alfred was thirty when okay, okay, okay. Bruce Wayne was born. I mean, we're being generous here. I mean, and he's you know basically like running around after this kid and like jumping over the bed and like picking him up and dragging him over his shoulder to give him a bath. <laughs> it's like God, Alfred's pretty sprighty for a sixty-year-old. Oh yeah, they had to give that kid a bath. That's right. He was hanging onto the walls and everything. Yeah, kids do that. Dogs and then do what that. Do you, but then what, what do you get Bruce Wayne doing? Looking at the mantra going, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Poor Alfred. That would get paid well. I hope I wasn't like that when I was young. Oh, they're like that when they were young. <laughs> oh, no. And the only time Batman steps in is like when he starts playing with a gun. Oh, look, I got a gun now. No. It's like, yeah. Oh, that's when the uh, when the censors came in and said, no, you have to have Batman say that is bad. Make sure he yeah. comes in and lectures him about the dangers of children playing. I wonder guns. how much of this would would be able to be floated by in 2022. Probably not a whole lot of these cartoons. A lot, yeah, it would be cut. Was this also the one that started out with the kids uh, surfing on the train? Was that this one? Yep, they yeah, were surfing on the train. So yeah, this one had Anyone? a lot of Batman correcting kids. Yeah, but I also well, think this is pro. I think this is one of those episodes. Is like, okay, we're gonna put some kids in here, so therefore the audience can sit there and assimilate that they're being saved by Batman. I think it's right because before that we've had nothing but adults, and this is the first time we actually have kids right. interacting with Batman and Batman saving the kids. And I think this is probably let's do this for the our audience, so that way it's always quite good to have kids in. You know, I mean, that's the main reason why Robin's in the original 1960s at the very right. beginning is because, you know, this will give the younger the younger demographic something to identify with working along with Batman. That's why Robin's like, gee, Batman, I mean, holy Alex. smoke, Batman, I'm with you, Batman. He's not a very deep the character. The 60s Batman, I do not remember a lot of children in that. Not really. No, but you, 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 had, you had the you audience. Had living through, you had the, something like that. Yeah. We had the audience, the audience watching Batman at that time who weren't stoners, but were the, the family audience. They were identifying with Robin and that Robin was yeah. their kick way into it. So that's why you have the, you know, leave it to Batman Robin. Was Bruce, Bruce, the ward of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Well, he's very leave it to Beaver as well. Very Robin much. is as well. <laughs> like leave it, leave it to Beaver puts on a mask and cape. That's pretty much what you have with the. When you think about it back though, back in the sixties, what, you know, Adam West and them were wearing, I just, that just still cracks me up. It looked totally legit back then, but now <laughs> you're looking at it like, ah, oh, what body armor, man? <laughs> well, I mean. Body armor. <laughs> I I love my blue my Blu-ray set of Batman. It's beautiful set and everything like that. But I never realized the dry queen eyebrows on the Batman Batman mask. <laughs> like, like, I, I always noticed the stenciled on eyebrows right on that rubber part. Light yeah, blue. They're yeah. light blue. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Done by Divine. <laughs> yeah, it's like very John Waters. <laughs> you just expect you just expect Mink, uh, Mink Stoll to come out at any time. <laughs> she'd be a wonderful bat villain i actually it makes stole i can picture her as something in the 60s series i would love to watch um batman directed by john waters that would be <laughs> tremendous 
<laughs> it would definitely be a, a, a talk. It would be something to talk about. That that would be for real. Well, have you ever seen? Different. Yeah, he's he's, have... he's coming back. I heard he's directing his uh, his uh, the book he wrote uh, either last year. I forget the title of it, but he's really? he's, gonna, oh, he's finally coming back to directing. Oh, fantastic! Um, have you ever seen the um, Batman ripoff called Bat Rat Think a Boo Boo? <laughs> Yes. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Likewise, I've heard it, not seen it. Rat finger. This one, it's it's a it's a it's a culty kind of film put out by Fox. It's kind of ripping off the Batman franchise. I, I think I saw it, but I didn't watch it. Mm, I think I had it on video at one point. I don't. Oh, have he did it the now, Pink Flamingo. Was it 1972? Was that him? That yeah, that, that John, that's John Waters. Yeah. Okay. Hairspray, Cry Baby. Serial Johnny Depp. Oh my God, I love that movie. Yeah, he gave John oh, he gave Johnny Depp his film career after Twenty One Jump Street. So, I love Cry Baby. Cry Baby, that was Cry Baby. Okay, it was Cry Baby. Our next episode is POV, or point of view. A botched police operation results in the suspension of the of those involved, Officer Wilkes, Officer Batalla, and Detective Bollock. Confronted by their superiors, each of them is forced to tell their tale of what happened that night. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of POV? Uh, I think Rashomon is one of Akira Kurosawa's best. Oh, wait, we're talking <laughs> about POV. <laughs> That's what this was. This was Rashomon. Um, yeah. uh, we couldn't have rape, so so we we decided we're going to go the route of uh, uh, of making it a, a this botched thing. I Bullock is a complete asshole. <laughs> That's that. why I was texting you guys. Is he a good guy or is he just supposed to be an asshole? Because he's it's always, like, what the hell? Every oh. form of media, he's always kind of had this sleazy edge to him. The most re- I remember on Gotham, the most recent time I saw him, he was played by Don L. Logue. They kind of tried to play him with a heart of gold, but then even then, that how many donuts stuff. is his character gonna eat? I, I every we, scene we, we were laughing about that. He kept the running donut. back. <laughs> we love back those donuts. donuts. Oh, the, oh. And the other thing is his face when when we when, when we first see him, he's about to he's about to eat a he's like wide eyed like with a big grin, like ah, and then he gets pulled away. He's got to put the donut back, and then he runs back and grabs it anyway. It's like it's hilarious. I love mm. I love that. So <laughs> like I, I need I need a I need a I need a gif of uh, of Bullock you know, wide eyed looking at the donut the first time. I think it was in this episode. It would make a great T shirt. <laughs> reaching for the donut <laughs> and then he goes back and he just gets another one then he's running out the door and then he grabs another one you know <laughs> and that's what i'm saying gluttony and obesity i mean it just just it's schematic and thematic but, but nothing is bollock <laughs> is a, se- a seasoned professional as well so he does everything by the book everything right. by the book which makes him a bigger asshole yeah, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, he's doing everything by the book. He's having difficulty fighting crime by the book. And here's his vigilante taking away his thunder while he's trying to li- yeah. live by the law. So I guess that would kind of make you a bitter and a bit of an asshole, I guess. So that's so that's kind of weird when you do see Bullock. He kind of 
think, well, you know oh, he's, he's a good idiot, guy, he's an asshole. But but, but then when you start thinking about him, he's like, well, he's actually the, the guy who's always in the right, really. He's looking that, at that's, that's what I said Batman. in this episode. I was like, Batman's he's kind of right. Batman's making him and all of his all of his fellow officers look horrible, and he's the only yeah. one. Everyone else is saying. Well, hey, he had really. the lady, the lady officer in this one, if I'm correct. She was the only one that seemed to know what was going on. But the reason, but the reason Batman's making them all look bad is because Batman doesn't have to live by or doesn't have to work by uh, the, code. the shackles that are that are, that are put on Bullock and them. So there's that aspect of it too. Like he said, like you could totally see what he's like. He's doing the things I would do if I was allowed to do them. Mm. He's allowed to beat people to a pulp for no reason because he he doesn't have to deal with any of the uh, any of the uh, the repercussions for it. Bullock can't. Bullock right. does it. He's a bad guy. Right. Uh, Batman does it. Well, he's a vigilante. Well, he gets the job done. Well, he doesn't try to kill anybody. I mean, well, Batman tries that's, to. I mean, that's that's the that's the Batman code where he doesn't kill anyone, and um, until and I, I don't think I don't. Like, well, uh, Batman doesn't kill anyone. I think we don't get any of that going on until we get into the second or third Robin, right? Which you know, I don't want to give anything away just in case we cover batman right. beyond and what goes on after that but right. um but yeah some horrible stuff does happen within the batman universe that kind of sets him off on the sets him off on a dark path right but um but at the moment i mean i quite i like this episode because you have the three points of view and i love the way yeah. that they change right but you right. also but what what we were saying also in this episode is that you find out what happens to these officers who are trying to work within the law they're all up to, they're all going to be suspended because right. they're working within the law as yeah. well. And the person who's supposed to be managing them and supposed to be mentoring them is on the side of the vigilante. <laughs> Gordon. That's who, the thing. Who is able to just come out as he pleases. Yeah, he's able to come and go as he pleases and he's completely shut out of the investigation. He's constantly being told, no, this is my deal. You shut up. You stay in the corner. Let me deal with these things. You guys are suspended. And thankfully, Montoya is, you know, a pit bull when it comes to finding what she needs to find. And she started putting it all together. Mm. It really is the birth of a great character in Renee Montoya. I'm happy that because in, in terms of legacy characters that came right. out of this series, she is one of the one that has lasted over the decades. So I'm kind of happy to see her get a really good start and right. kick an ass alongside. So that. she's I like I said, this is a new experience for me watching most of these. So she's gonna be present for a she while now, up. right? Because yes. I really liked her character. It was kind of refreshing. Well, another thing that's quite refreshing is that she's not a damsel in distress either. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I yeah. find it refreshing. Like she I definitely is turned angle, and I don't need to be carried away. She's she a badass. Own, she'll she holds her own and saves Batman multiple times throughout it. So, uh, it's yeah, it's definitely um, a different type of uh, sidekick for Batman, and it's good to right. have one that's on the force as well that Gordon could talk to because it builds more allies. And there's no her. romantic possibilities really either. So uh, makes I don't believe so. Yeah, no. She, yeah. she, she, I, I think she has, work, well, no, she, she has a, she, she's had, she has a family. I think, I think she has children. Yeah. I think, it, I, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if she's a single mom or she's married, but I know that there's a family behind her that you do kind of see glimpses of eventually. I mean, they do start rounding off these 
Bollock gets a bit more rounded off as later. And, you know, the only other cop that doesn't really get rounded off a little bit is the ginger one. <laughs> the right. ginger cop. The he kind of like there. Yeah, I'm not, he does show up a couple of times, but his story doesn't really. Um, what's his name? Um, Officer Wilkes. He does appear, but he doesn't. He's kind of he's kind of one of the only characters that's kind of just there every once in a while, but he doesn't really get rounded out a little bit. But by by the time they start rounding these characters off, they, I mean this cast starts growing and growing eventually as well. So yeah, you know. quite a bunch of quite the names in here doing the the voice. Oh my god! Oddly enough, this was a thing Sean found out uh, the previous episode to this because you just mentioned the cast expanding. The episode prior to this was the one that had the smallest cast in the history of the show because it was only four people. Not just history of the show, really? but the smallest cast in the history. Of the, according, to, if what I'm seeing on the trivia on IMDb, thank uh, <laughs> as accurate as that could be, uh, it's they're saying that all uh, it's the smallest cast in the history of all of the DC animated universe. Only four people uh, in the credited cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so started started to rail like that because shit, we forgot to bring it up in the previous episode. That was the uh, the, the Sewer King episode, right? Cast. Uh, but yeah, the, the cast does expand. Sorry, the funny thing about it though, it had the most animated characters in the cast. Well. Yeah, I know. because yeah. <laughs> all the kids, all the kids were silent, weren't they? <laughs> Children should be seen, not heard. If they're heard, it's more expensive. We can draw them; it's yeah. not cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> this, one, this one though uh it i didn't realize it ron perlman the guy with the big it did the yeah. voice of the guy with the big power drill really uh, yeah i didn't realize that was him and there and the other ghoul whose name uh, was i uh I, I say ghoul he reminded me of rondo hatton there was one henchman who looked exactly like rondo hatton and it threw me off and i remember around this time i think it was around this time the rocketeer came out and there's a there's a very yeah. famous henchman in it that looks identical to rondo hatton and uh, that's what i thought too i, I knew just, i'm so glad not- somebody else said that because i wonder i was just wondering if that was just something they threw our way did they make I, him look like rondo hatton i don't know offhand if, if you I think they did in the in the in the uh, that had to be the deliberate. That definitely had to in be the Rocketeer. Deliberate. I don't oh, know. The if, Rocketeer if, definitely. Yeah, I think definitely. They did here. I'm pretty sure they did here, but it, it was just such a distinct look on that one on that yes, one guy. Yes, it was. Face. I totally forgot about that. Until that you said something. Yeah, I, I think his according to the cast, there's two henchmen listed. There's one named Driller. That's the I'm guessing that's Ron Perlman. Uh, the other is named Scarface. So I'm assuming that uh, that Rondo Hatton looking guy is Scarface. Uh, his play is Marcelo Tubert is the character is the uh, voice actor's name. But I mean, there's yeah, so many such a references. distinct look. Yeah, I know. So, so many, many references things. to classic horror in these, like it, like yeah. the you know the Venus flytrap uh, looking like Audrey too. That we got yeah. right. this guy looks like Rondo Hatton. I had mentioned uh, uh, Man Bat in the previous uh, the previous podcast was kind of an amalgam of um, like a lot of mad scientist movies, specifically. Uh, like the Devil Bat and the Ape Man, the two Lugosi movies. I think the I think these guys definitely love their classic horror. And yeah. I think they, mm-hmm. they incorporated it as much as they could. I think they also like their film Noir as well. I've noticed. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. And 1930s gangster pictures. This has a lot of that in there too. So yeah, there's a lot. And I like that they're also painting because I mean this gangster thing is going to be a 
a theme that's going to be carrying through as well that we're not going to just see superheroes we're going to be seeing like the you know the, the the gangsters and the mob and all that's coming in as well and and i mean my hats are kind of off because off to them because they're doing stuff that they're that you're not finding on children's television they're coming up with these three-dimensional dark hair dark situations and using like a pov where basically it's like different points of view and how that works and being able to meander all this within a 22 minute <laughs> segment <laughs> sort of thing and actually get it very tight and clean in the scripts and they're not children's scripts these they're not scripts for children's television which we pretty much realized why we're discussing it today and why this, they had to start showing these at night because the the adults are like getting up early just to watch this because you know it was grabbing that audience as well the, the interesting thing is with Bullock's POV, you could see he's lying the entire time. Oh, my God. He knows <laughs> even from his own POV. I know I'm lying. I'm just going to tell you what I did. Yeah. It the, must have been Batman that kicked over that can. Meanwhile, we, we, well, we see it wasn't. I saved, If I wasn't there, Batman would be dead. We see Batman dragging him out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like that because it does fit into his character because what we've seen of Bullock so far I mean this is what seven episodes we've watched so far but it does fit in with his character sort of thing because he is so against Batman anyway he doesn't believe right. that there should be a vigilante or anything like this so it does so he would change his story so it's terribly within his personality and that's what I got like about him and and the, and the guy who voices him is fantastic I mean we're supposed oh. to be getting him for an interview, Robert Constanza, right? Robert Constanza, yeah. yeah. And you know, he just got it down to a T, sort of thing. And the thing is, I, I kind of—he annoys me, but I really do like him. It's kind of a weird, kind of this torn thing that I like with him. It's—it's it's like a seventy thirty. I, I despise him for seventy percent of the time. I'm like, yeah, mm. he's not so bad. But he's yeah. also right. Vigilantes That's shouldn't really exist. That's the 30. Yeah. I'm like, it's the adulthood kicking. And you're like, he, he's right. I know he's right, but he's he's an asshole. So we can't root for him. And that's the, that's, the, that's the thing about all these shows. And another thing I liked about his character that I think the writers have done really, really well is that even at the end, when everything pans out um, to a, a decent a decent conclusion, you know, and then Bollocks kind of gets thanks. And that basically it's like, you know, he's part of the, he helped the situation to make you know to get the conclusion and the way that he accepts it oh, oh well yeah okay then yeah yeah thank you, you know and I, I like that because it wasn't because that's something else you don't see in animation normally it's like okay yeah okay i'm fine yeah you're like i'm trying to change my personality i'm a happy person now yeah, but he stays within his confines of his character he's still uh, a prick yeah he's no, still a prick yeah and that's what i like he's like he's like kept you, him, that's keeping this way you saved my job and fuck you for doing it <laughs> <laughs> thanks Montoya thanks yeah really appreciate yeah. all the hard work you did I got yeah you. oh I know what it, he wasn't he was kind of well he was trying to be gratuitous in his way I guess you know shruggingly begrudgingly but it was kind of there but we all we all we also get that Batman's not there for the glory either so that does pay this story does show that as well which is quite interesting so it's not like oh I'm here to save the world and I want all the glory and I want you know I'm ready where's my you know I'm ready for my close-up where's my action figure you know we find out that Batman's not like that it's just like you know you take the glory I'm stepping back because you did yeah. the work 
if you he want does to break the job, down, he gets in, he leaves, he gets out. Yeah. You kind of feel for Bullock in a way, though, because it, it, the only character witness that you could have this, or the only witness that you could have that can possibly save your job is a secretive vigilante who only shows up when he wants to. Yeah, exactly. That's the one person that can corroborate all these stories <clears throat> that can save right. everybody off the hook. And he's the, uh, even if he wasn't kidnapped, it's one of those things where, where the hell are you going to find Batman? You going to put up the signal? Hopefully he comes. Yeah. And that's not if he's being a playboy that they don't know about yet. <laughs> right. Well, it also shows you that Commissioner Gordon doesn't have a lot of power either when it comes into the interworkings of the police office, the police station as well. He that yells a lot. Walk in, yeah, he can't just walk in and dictate everything. They, there's procedures and protocols and everything that you have to go through. And I mean, you know, he can't even save his own staff, can he, from the oh. who the detective guy who's integrating them and get, trying to get you know getting ready to suspend them and everything like that gordon has no power over him so so that kind of kind of brings that out a little bit as well right The next episode is The Forgotten, while investigating the disappearance of Gotham's homeless in an undercover disguise, Bruce Wayne is kidnapped and imprisoned in a chain gang mining camp. Suffering from amnesia, Alfred must thus track him down, help him escape, and free the rest of the prisoners. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of The Forgotten? I like this episode a lot. Although, it had one fatal flaw from the beginning. Why didn't he tell Alfred that, where, <laughs> that he was he was going to go? And yeah, you know, he tells seems, Alfred everything. He tells Alfred everything. I mean, it seems like the well, he kind of looked like a spirit of the moment thing in this episode, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, my buddy mentioned it. It was. It was. It mentioned that these people just start going missing. But even then, hey, by the way, Alfred, I'm taking the suit of Baker. I'm going to go undercover as a homeless right. guy. You feel like it's it. It takes maybe as long as what I just. Why the Studebaker? I mean, he's got all these cars. I mean, is there? Does he just pick whatever no, mood he's it's, in? It's to keep. It's to keep it into that 1930s. Yeah. You know. Um, if he shows yeah, up to the, the Bowery drive, if he shows up to the Bowery driving a vet, I think then it, you know it won't. It won't Okay, gotcha. I was just, I was just, I'm trying to feel these out. No, I mean, I I think the reason why you didn't tell Alfred because he was busy dying his hair white. (laughs) (laughs) That could be. That could be. I mean, he kind of looked sexy and old in it, though. I don't know. But he was very fit for an old man. I mean, I think this is the first time we actually get to see Bruce Wayne's body. And we actually realize that he's quite ripped as well. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's, got his t- he's got his t-shirt on and you see the, ru- the you know, the muscles rippling through the, you know, his white t- his white wife, be- wife beaters, what they call them over here. His wife beater. They still call <laughs> him that. <laughs> I was like, he's very, very, ja- like when they were, uh, when they abducted him a lot and they're taking his shirt off, I'm like, oh, wow, man, you must you're really fit for a homeless hobo that's just oh, yeah. kind of wandering the streets. You must eat right and exercise every day like the homeless tend to do. Right. <laughs> I love the justification of how, you know, oh, you probably were a fighter in your last life. Hey, it's it's convenient plot amnesia for one for one episode. Right. As he gets it's very jack. quick, too. <laughs> very quick. He gets the slapjack right to the back of the head. And, uh, you know, he doesn't know who he is. I did like the fact that in deep down buried in his psyche, no matter what he does, the Joker 
is intertwined. It's always on his mind. It's always there, always back there laughing at him. And that's it, it, that was the thing to help try to drive him back and pull him back into who he really is. Exactly. It wasn't the bats. It wasn't Batman. It was it was his former self laughing at him, turning yeah. into the Joker laughing at him. So I, I I appreciated that. It showed just how important it, they really are to each other, and and they maybe do need each other in order to survive. But and this I it thought was really that thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, initially, I thought the amnesia thing was a ruse by Bruce. Because I was like, there's no way they're going to introduce amnesia, you know, five minutes into this 22-minute episode. (laughs) How many times has he been hit in the head or dropped off a building? I mean, you would think, you know, that that he's faking it, but no. Yeah, I get you. I thought he was faking it, too. I thought he was faking it because I thought, okay, he's going to, because he can't, he's not going to say who he is. And he's probably walked, he's walking around without ID, probably. So... I, that, that's what I thought. And then we're like, oh, okay, wait, no, he really has amnesia. Okay, this is this is odd, totally unexpected. I, I didn't think they'd go that far for a 22 minute episode. Yeah. Well, we got some gunfire in this as well, didn't right. we? So some more guns. Um, I quite like the the Family Guy and the joke, yeah. the guy who was always cutting Black jokes guy. in order to. Yeah. And I thought they worked guy. really well yeah. within this setting. They were good sidekicks. Uh, Salvo Smith and Dan Riley. Uh, they, yeah, they were... I, I, I liked the interaction with the characters in this one a lot. I thought this was a really kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if Batman could be heartfelt, but it, it was kind of, you know, how, the way they he decided, well, they got to get locked in that box to spur him on, I guess. Sweating in a locked metal box would probably spur anybody on to want to get out of there. But I, I really enjoyed Whoa. this episode. And people the, and pe- and people are being killed in this one as well. Yeah, people you know, are dying in this one. And again, we have gluttony and like a gross gelatinous villain. He looked like a cross between. <laughs> he looked like a cross between the Kingpin and Lawrence Limburger from Biker Race from Mars. It, I mean, this like, guy just this had a lobbingly creature. Just had a turkey leg hanging out of his mouth the whole time, oh, ring about eating the whole time. I mean, it's sort of like watching the seven deadly sins, you know. That POV shot of him eating the sub, I did not need that. I did I, not that need that. That was kind of disgusting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's only it kind of remind, okay. remind me of Marlon Brando in his later career. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I I, I felt Dr. Moreau. If Dr. Moreau had uh, had a nice Nice white pinstripe suit and a hat. Yeah. For, lo- for the longest time, I didn't realize he played Dr. Moreau in that. I thought Marlon Brando was the island. Oh. <laughs> oh. Damn. That's oh. cold. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Marlon. Watch the Richard Stanley documentary and, and, and learn about yeah. what a prick he was, and suddenly you're not going to feel as bad. That documentary I didn't realize. You, if you do study anything about him, he was a freakazoid. I mean, really, yes. really bad. Yeah. Marlon. Marlon Brand. Marlon, if it moved, Marlon Brando was on it. Uh, yeah, all it needed was a pulse, really. Seriously, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's very. He did a bio. He wrote his own biography, and he's very, very open. And it talks about his sex with Richard Pryor. Sex with- I was. I was going to say, I, I only in the recent, Richard Pryor. I only oh in recent God, years really? learned about Richard Pryor, and I'm just like, whoa, okay. This is, I didn't yeah, know about this Richard Pryor, right. though. There's apparently a photo of him going down on Richard Pryor. I haven't seen it, but apparently... It well, he was probably way. all kinds of fucked up when that happened, knowing Richard Pryor. Well, I mean, the thing is, 
when Richard Pryor was in his heyday when this was going on, this wasn't Marlon. This wasn't this wasn't Marlon Brando on, on the Western Front. This is Marlon Brando post Godfather. So it kind of you know it kind of paints kind of a sickly picture. <laughs> Well, everybody yeah. said he was gay, and I don't think he was truly gay. I think he was Marlon Brando. I think Marlon. No, I think Marlon Brando. I don't think. I don't think there was a label you could put on him. I just think that it, if it was available and he liked it, he went for it. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. think. I don't think he. He was a one more of the another. moment kind of man. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think he was just like you know, if it look, if it looked good, I'll do it. If it doesn't, we're good. I think it, it's fair I mean? to say. I just say he's a people person. He was always yeah. obviously that's that's a fair way to put it. <laughs> I think that, but I think the character reminded me of the uh, the mayor from the Toxic Avenger, the the, the one that gets his yes. guts ripped out. Yes, yeah. oh my god, there's a little bit right. of him in there too. Yeah, I always get a kick out of you know what I think of when I see things like this, and it's still every when we interviewed Lloyd Kaufman, it still sticks in my my mind. He said some of his favorite actors were fat people because fat people are just fun to work with and they're funny, and he always <laughs> said that about it. And, and, it kind of gave me a little respect for because you can tell he cares about all the people are in his movies. Mm. But I mean, when you see this, I mean, this guy though, I mean, this was one of their more ultra sicko kind of villains though. What was his name? What was this? Oh, uh, I, I don't remember the name. Hold on, it's I think that it was Boss uh, Boss Biggins. Because Biggins. he was he Biggins. basically has a slave camp. Okay, this must be somewhere out west. This must be in West Texas. Because that's the only place I know where you get it. <laughs> well, it could be Mississippi, but it does look like a desert. So apparently yeah, they transported it, all these people, not less in the in the uh, the universe of Gotham. They have a desert too. Well, I mean, I think it's quite a few miles away. I mean, he has to take the bat plane to get there. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. He doesn't Alfred know how to, to drive the bat plane or fly the bat plane. Yeah. Talking about the the. The poor things they make Alfred do. He has to fly the Batwing all the way through. Who is really the brains in that whole thing? Alfred is the brains of that whole outfit when you think about it. What would he do without Alfred? Well, Alfred's the voice of reason. Yeah. Common sense. There you have it. Alfred is Jiminy Cricket. In recent years, he's been portrayed as more of the brains. I think that they portray him more as like an ex-SAS agent. In, in, yeah, and Pennyworth, in, doesn't it? Pennyworth, and I think that's what Jeremy Irons did. I didn't the, start watching that. Is any movies. good Pennyworth? I've not watched it yet. I have not seen it at all. I haven't, I, I, I haven't watched it. Yeah, but I... I in, yeah. I like my I like my Alfred, and I don't... I, I had trouble... I like... I like my characters, but when I start getting to origin stories, I kind of go a bit cold because it's yeah. like, I don't, I find that once you get the origin stories, it's a bit like, you know, I like Freddy, but then when he gets into Freddy's origin stories right. and they start bringing that back, you know, El, you know, with Alice Cooper's his dad and shit like that, right. it kind of takes away, or once you know too much about yeah. Michael Myers, it takes too much away or Jason or any of those. I don't need to know a backstory. Not that myth anyway. Maybe well, the mythos. Well, the well, the mythos is what keeps it alive. It, it keeps them alive exactly. and keeps them interesting. And then you know you can find out like bits and pieces or whatever, but you don't need an origin story of everybody that you have. And having an Alfred origin story, kind of like, so what? So he was it really essay. isn't needed. It really isn't. It isn't. Well, it just seems a bit weird because you have an SAS agent now, and then he becomes a 
butler in America for yeah, it doesn't, doesn't fit, does it? Not unless he's I, undercover still. I want to say that I've seen a couple of trailers. It seems like he meets up with a young Thomas Wayne and he saves his ass a bunch of times, so he becomes like his private. Oh, uh, okay. I, I see. I want to say it's that I, I'm probably ruining it, and there's probably people out there who love the show who hate me for not I getting it right. But that's well, the there's somebody, there's an audience for everything if we want all learn yeah. one thing. So. Well, I'm just saying this. Someone saves your life. I'm not sure if I would hire Ooh. them to be my maid. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm out there. He's like, I'll, I'll okay. defend you to the end of time. I'll, I'll be with you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of your, your children. That is a good point, though. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the idea that Alfred is an intelligent person. I mean, the thing oh. is, um, your, your butlers anyway are intelligent people they're not stupid people they run wow. everything they run the household they run everything yeah, that's books, what your butler do does and um and i quite like the idea in my mind's eye that um alfred is, is a butler he was raised to be a butler he works for the wayne family he's close to the family he written and so close that he actually you know the child bruce he he's, has to move bruce to be in you know in line with his dad to take over for his father and he's like the family butler which is like a very close confidant but at the same time they are an employee sort of thing he does know and how it, to fly the jet too i mean that's the that's the thing he, he barely he knew how to fly the jet barely. well i mean he's trying to navigate it like he's luke skywalker but it, yeah it's, well yeah did you see that was that like going back to star wars going through the tunnels and they get locked on to the thing you know where he's trying to yeah, well, that's like he's going of... through the trenches of the canyon. And yeah. it's, it's but I also but I also think that the I think the back from what I can take from this when he's flying it, I think he has I think all he has to do is talk to it as well because it seems to do whatever right. it wants to do because he's talking to it, isn't it? Oh, watch out for that. It turns sideways. He doesn't touch that's anything. And unlike your to be fair, all the bat, all the uh, sass he gives Batman, it seems like the bat computer was giving it right back to Alfred too. So right? That, uh, no, I'm not landing. What are you talking about? No. Right. You're gonna. <laughs> please, for the love of God, land. No, can't do it. No, we're just gonna keep going. So. But I think Alfred keeps um, Bruce Wayne human as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I also, Absolutely. I also feel I don't feel that that dynamic. Uh, like obviously to keep up appearances alfred is the butler but i feel like there's there's times where batman trusts him more than he would trust you know the help you know right it, well a, you gotta remember that it, alfred is the help but alfred raised him yeah right. you know at the end of the day alfred is alfred is his replacement dad really basically when he left the police station after his parents were killed, who did he go home to with? Alfred. Alfred. He was there all his life. I'm, Alfred. So yeah. That that's the part of the that's the part of the Batman mythos that ever that, that always got me. His parent his parents didn't set him up for someone else to take care of him. They just left him to the butler. Like that's well, well, I don't, well you would think they'd have a will. I think that's why they're building what? out the mythos of Alfred more and more nowadays, because they're like, okay, this is the person that we tr entrusted to raise yeah. this. But this is a different uh, universe though, too. It isn't yeah, really go by our rules. Well, so, I mean, the way the way it is described is that Bruce Wayne's father is an only child and his mother's an only mother is only and he has no grandparents. He has no aunts. He has no uncles. So that brings Alfred in. The only time that Batman has an aunt is in the, t the 1960s TV series. Yeah. But really in the original comic book, it's kind of useless. Oh, yeah. In the, in the original comic books, he doesn't have any family at all. There's no family. The only time I the only time I see a family is in the 1960s one, and I kind of 
I think they kind of had her there because they're like, oh, where have you guys been out to? And you know, at the end of the series, she'd come in and like, oh, I made you some tea. Where have you guys been up to? Oh, we've just been studying or whatever. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of give that artificial family. Plus also it's like they call her auntie. So obviously I think it's to take off the homosexual overtones that are going on right. between Batman and Robin. Because <laughs> there's like, you know, they're a bit closer than closer, you know, with their little tight, you know, the little tight trousers are sliding down the I just never again. got the homo vibe from either one of them. But I guess, you know, some people wanted to go there. I don't know. Um, I don't find I don't find it. In, you know, I don't see it in this series here. But I think in the 1960s one, there is it a was kind, kind of, of little, maybe. Well, it was it was, it was a different a time though. It was it. power of love and flower power and all that well, stuff. Well, I, I think I think Eyebrows. the problem is, is that well, the problem is is that in the 60s series you have Robin, but there's no explanation for Robin. He's the ward. Yeah, why is That's he? All there? I know. Well, He's there's the ward. There, there, well, no, but there's no backstory for Robin. Not at you all. Get, you, you, we're we're going to get a backstory here. here but there's do. no backstory for Robin at all. Robin's just there living with Bruce. And, you know, you got this young guy living with his daddy figure sort of Basically. thing. And, you're kinda, and so, you know, and they're always together and they're always running around in these like skinny tight, t- you know, the little tight little underwear. And there's tight. Was that the style tights. back then? I don't know. Well, they're trying to emulate the. Uh, the comic strip at that time at, at that time that's what the comic strip looked like it was, I can't remember. I'm trying to put my you know, and you got robin his little fairy boots you know <laughs> oh that's right i forgot about those, the boots. those green elfish boots yeah i like his green yeah. elfish boots i thought they were kind of cute you know, and the whole and the whole time you got you know robin with his hand on his hip like gee batman <laughs> but then but then you know but the funny thing about robin in the original 1960s is that when you do get him you find out that he's a bit brighter than batman is because when it comes to the riddlers um answering any of the riddles um robin he's always all the riddles yeah yeah and batman always seems to be slowly behind sort of thing robin well no see who was it that he what in the old one who did robin fall wait she, she got them both to fall in love with her who was the female diabolical villain ass so she there's Catwoman. My dad, I don't know. Might have been Catwoman. You got Joan Collins as a siren. That's who it was. Uh, That's who it was. Okay, because it wasn't Eartha Kid. I still love Eartha Kid. I thought she was yeah. a hell of a Catwoman. I loved her. I mean, another, I mean, another thing is, I mean, the Batman, the original series, are pretty much asexual anyway. Everyone's yeah. pretty much asexual. Yeah. Even, even every time a woman comes on the Batman, he's like pushing her away. Well, he always well, was like kind of in love with Catwoman back there was, then. You there, could there, tell there was a dynamic tell. going on. The the tech the tension between him and Julie Newmar more oh, so God. than more so and Lee Mer- uh, Merriweather is in the movie, but those two especially like yeah. whenever she pawed up against them, it was almost as if he had to fight the urge to succumb to mm-hmm. it. It just I remember when he thought she was dead first. I think she fell into a. Oh yeah, she fell in the in the bottom. And he had a tear. Or, I remember yeah. the one tear. <laughs> he had a tear. <laughs> The black cat just kind of jumped into his hands afterwards and he, he started crying a little bit. Yeah, that was the. Uh... They definitely had chemistry. Absolutely. And then and then when you get and then when Batgirl comes in, you kind of get like the trio and Robin's not too happy about that. Robin becomes very jealous. Hey, who's oh, this yeah. broad? I'm sure, I'm well, she's sure still... Robin's not going to be upset about that bullet bra. Enter the bullet bra yet again. <laughs> it's uh, not not very not very well known that in the uh, you know in that series in the bedroom Robin was the top, so that's that's why Batman's pushing all these other women away. 
and and I, I think i mean as the show goes on it gets camper and camper of course but i think once right. batgirl comes in and you just see robin getting all jealous with the, the attention that batman's giving her You're like, yeah oh that's God. true he does kind of get a little yeah. yeah he gets a little put yeah. off that's true i mean i'd be giving yvonne craig a lot of attention too oh she was gorgeous <laughs> yeah she was i think she, i think she went from batman to elvis presley film didn't she <laughs> kissing cousins I or something so. like that I think, yeah yeah, yeah. One of those things, Yvonne Craig. But um, but the thing about um, the episode of Forgotten, I think I've also found it quite interesting. The ending of this, again, has a kind of strange ending where he like comes out on Bruce Wayne. If you need a job, call me sort right. of thing and gets it <laughs> and then gets into his thingy and lets, you know, his lets Rolls his, or whatever it is. Yeah, his Rolls Royce limo. Yeah. And, and then you kind of get like, I mean, I guess he's going to hire them in Bruce Enterprises, maybe. Well, he did have that dream. Was it this one or was it the other one where he was dreaming about everybody needed money and he was trying to... It was this one. Was it this one? It was this one. He had the humanitarian moment as he's he's trying to remember. Panic attack is what it was. It wasn't even... I can't pay everybody. I don't have enough money here. I don't have enough money to save the world, which is true. Not one one any person can, you know... going to be a joint effort but i mean it's not his mind he's a philanthropist clearly he wants to help people he's not a greedy man or his character isn't he can only say the people you can only say the people who want to be saved as well so that's true he'd probably hire the family man as a security officer at wayne enterprises i could see him working as a guard he knows he can hold his own Making uh, minimal wage. Making, <laughs> make, making, making 235 an hour in Gotham City. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> still living still living in their um t- their slum tenement. Oh, shit, I remember when four dollars an hour was <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know. I, I don't know what he's gonna do with the little the little ginger jokey guy. I'm not sure. I was thinking I'm like, what the hell can he do? Uh he's a janitor. There, there you go. He'll he'll be, <laughs> well, isn't he he'll smart, be the janitor. Though? I think the guy was smart. Wasn't the character supposed to be smart, kind of sorta? Well, kind of sort of, but I think I think the what he what he did to get there was I was out of a job and I needed one, so they gave me one. Now I'm an idiot for wanting a job. I think that's something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, like he was that. way so, too happy. But he woke up yeah. and ended up there. He was too stupid to know how screwed he was. That's the thing. Well, he, was, well, well, he knew he was stupid. He was not woke up on a chain gang, so it's <laughs> clearly a mess. See, I think what happens is he wears a red and green sweater and starts becoming a custodian at the, school, the children, the Wayne, the Wayne High School. <laughs> <laughs> Who one day gets burned by the family, by the family in Gotham. <laughs> and they come back in their dreams. <laughs> you did have a kind of a Freddy Krueger kind of Freddy Krueger before Freddy Krueger vibe to him as well. Yeah, kind I can that see that, of, yeah. You know. <laughs> Warner owns that now. So Warner, if you uh, if you want that idea, Batman meets Freddy Krueger versus Jason. (laughs) Oh my God! Could you imagine? How funny! It'd be fun though. Batman versus Freddy Krueger, or even I mean, you know what? I would take I would take Batman versus Michael Myers over that pile of shit I watched last night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they did. They did a cartoon. Let the hate email begin, huh? They did do a cartoon a few years back of Batman versus Dracula. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. I haven't seen that one. It's, a, modern, it's an animated yeah. movie from like 10, 15 years ago. The modern take on the Scarecrow is basically he's kind of Freddy Krueger. 
in the, that's in the true. Batman universe. So that's kind of yeah. in the video games, you have these nightmarish dream sequences where he's reliving his his parents being killed. And right, he to, right. He has to break free of this reality of the giant scarecrow trying to that's crush right. him and whatnot. So the scarecrow showed up on a happy Halloween Scooby-Doo as the villain. And I was like, oh, wait oh, a second. Yeah, that's right. Like, wait, that's weird. They they made the scarecrow one of the villains for this little animated Scooby-Doo directed video movie. And he's, yeah, he's giving everybody these, these nightmares and stuff. Between Ready Player One and Space Jam 2, it's kind of right. one of those things. Like, let's just open up the war chest. What you do we got? Put them in like... everything. <laughs> right? There are, like, there just, are, there are talks Batman. about... There, but there are talks of some of the Batman villains crossing over to the new Velma series that's starting. Oh, and we all right. knew Velma was gay. I knew Velma was gay before everybody started ah! thinking about it. I think everybody Velma knew was Velma was already gay, okay? Velma's gay. They're <laughs> all high. We, we knew that. this. It's fine. It's okay. Now, don't get your panties in a wad about Velma. She was always <laughs> written gay. My favorite. Have you, my have, favorite. Have you also known that Velma, Velma is always going, I'll go with Daphne. And Fred's like, no, I'm going with Daphne. I have like a little squabble. <laughs> Everybody wants Daphne, except for Shaggy and Scooby, and they're quite happy being just stoned off on their own. My, fav- my favorite take on this was somebody tweeted out, Velma's been hanging out with people that solve mysteries for 50 years now. None of them could figure out she was gay. Well, which Scooby movie? They, they dressed her up, got her all kinds of hot, because the actress was really cute. I can't remember which one it was where she's dressed up. They got her dressing like a hot Velma. I haven't the, seen the any best- live action movies, so I don't know. The best Velma is Linda Cardellini. Is that her name? Cardellini? Cardellini was a really beautiful girl anyway. She was because she was in ER. She went from ER to playing with the Sarah Sarah Jessica Parker wasn't a good Daphne, but Michael Lillard and um, Linda were probably the best. Oh, you're talking about the oh the the ones that James Gunn wrote. Sarah Geller played Sarah Geller, right? Yeah, she played Daphne. And and Freddie Prince wasn't a very good. I kind of liked him. I kind of like Freddie Prince. But Matthew Willard's like completely stolen that role from on in live action and in animation. He's doing the voice yeah. for all the movies now. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he was a fantastic Shaggy well, and Linda I was a fantastic. Him. Oh him, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic. Anything, even his appearances in Scream, fantastic. Because I just love he's, him. He sounds Anything like he's on. It. If I see him, I'll watch it. I'll watch it just because he's on. He steals the show in Twin Peaks: The Return. His his two. I, I think he's only in a. Yeah, he's. I want to say he's like in two episodes, but yeah. both. But his he does a monologue in it that is just it steals the entire show and it's, I still it's have fantastic. not seen that. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I mean, he I think he had start in Serial Mom, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he. I was. thought that was yeah. his start, but I love Serial Mom, and he is fantastic in that. Yeah, <laughs> he's the yeah. Uh, the horror obsessed kid, the kid who's obsessed with Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> until they see the mom being ki- killing. <laughs> so he sees his mom killing someone. <laughs> no more killing no more killing so are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd amazing designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar they bring professionalism to a high standard and they're able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more affordable expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos brochures or whatever you can dream 
dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. Or reach out by phone at Country Code 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. So uh, let's get to what what are these four episodes? What is your favorite episode? Starting with you, Vic. The one we just talked about, I think, for some reason, I, well, it was kind of a toss-up between this one and the, and the the subterranean colony of children. I guess I like to see Batman being like a superhero and actually giving a shit about the common, thus common peasantry. You know, it was just nice to see him, you know, swoop in and well, after he, you know, take care of the kids. And well, this one especially, you know, you had everybody was stuck on this chain gang, and it just show you know no i just i just liked how they depicted him with the homeless people and how he got abducted and he ended up with the same slave camp and he was a peon like the rest of us for a while and uh we'll see if he ever gives that guy a job if he shows up again in the next twenty thousand seasons (laughs) (laughs) and what about yourself sean what's your favorite episode out of this block um, I think it was probably pretty poison just because you got to see the, the for the first time the balance of Bruce and Batman and what it has to what it takes yeah, to be both and try to maintain the double lives. Although the uh, the forgotten really was a bat got to show us a Batman episode outside of the suit. We, we, we got to see him for what he is o- overall, I think uh, probably pretty poison. But I think anytime you get to see Bruce be Bruce. I'm definitely down for that. I, I need yeah. to see more Bruce in less Batman. Got to see him. Yeah, Batman. I do enjoy the Bruce Wayne character part. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And what about yourself, Joe? But like, like Vicky, I'm kind of torn between the same two episodes. It's kind of a toss-up, but I, I might go with the Underdwellers because that villain is basic. Like you said, it's basically Fagin. It's so over the top. Right. He's got, you know, like I I like a little bit of fun with my stuff. I don't like everything to be super serious. And I I I like that we have this this campy villain who's got freaking crocodiles that he will will (laughs) feed you to if you piss him off. Like like it's dumb and I know it's dumb, but I'm like, yes. But that's the whole point. It's enjoyable and you know it's dumb, and because it's dumb and it is animation, you are allowed to enjoy it, which is the total brilliance of it all. Yeah, my favorite episode is going to be POV actually because I just like the way that it was cleverly written and it kind of drew out these secondary characters that you didn't really think were meant anything and you kind of saw them in the background but didn't think anything and it kind of drew them out and I like the way that they did each one had their own point, point of view, view. and uh-huh. I thought that was quite I thought that was quite interesting that they were actually were were willing to take something and move it forward with an animated series especially when animated series had always been a quite flat. You know, it's kind of like good I guy. The introduction of bad thing happened. Um, you know, guys in peril, got to fight out of peril, beat the bad guy, happy ending, the exactly. end. And it's, you know, and it kind of broke away from that sort of thing. So.
going down enough. to fit. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? what I was gonna say is, oddly enough, each of us picked a different episode for our favorite. Yeah. <laughs> what about your favorite character and your least favorite character? We'll go start with you again, Vicky, because you love these segments. I hate, I hate it when you do that to me. Um, my favorite character has got to be Poison Ivy out of all of them, just because I think she's a fun character. She reminds me of Jessica and Roger Rabbit. I don't know. I, but I, I mean, I, I just like the way they represent her as not a stupid, helpless woman, you know, in the, the series. And she's a brilliant villain. So, yeah, she's my favorite. And she's beautiful. And your least favorite? Least favorite would be the fat, gelatinous, guy with the, the turkey leg hanging out of his mouth i mean all, biggest. <laughs> yes. all the gelatinous villains now he was just such an unsavory those two in both the uh, uh forgotten and uh uh the under what was it the kids um both of those the, such disdainful hateful villains i mean obviously they did a good job and i think baldini did the, the second one we covered but um I enjoyed, I, I didn't really like them, but I enjoyed hating them, if that makes any sense. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, for me, my favorite, it's going to be a, a wild card. I liked Frog. I liked I liked the kid. Oh, the boy? The little boy. It, he's keeping Alfred on his toes. Uh, that is toes, a good right? one. It is a good he, one. Uh, it, he was playful. It, it Much like everyone, I got Temple of Doom vibes from him. Uh, and Definitely short round Temple of Doom. And it, and it was cool to see him come in, save the day, save his buddy. And it was it was nice to see the rea- the interaction with Batman and, and him at the end, giving the thumbs up to each other. It was a cool moment. Uh, my least favorite, uh, much like Vicky, is Boss Biggest. Uh, that gelatinous he, pig. That sandwich shot. I'm sorry. I'm, here, know, I'm done. Gross, Just, yeah, uh, no, no. They, I don't need to see a giant sub going into your mouth from that angle. I, I, you're, I'm done with you. <laughs> Be gone. Get off my screen. <laughs> Forget the fact he's a horrible person, but you know, he's, he's, he's get, get off I my screen. I think they did that on purpose. I know. They did that on purpose. Just in case you had, there's any sliver that maybe he could be written. No, he's not. Any form of humanity somewhere <laughs> in that character, right? Yeah. And what about yourself, Joe? Uh, Poison Ivy is probably my favorite. But I mean, that, that that's my my weakness is a really beautiful, really intelligent woman. <laughs> that's always been my weakness. Um, but she's really, really well portrayed here. Uh, I was surprised with how quick we went into making her a villain. I thought we'd be like easing into it, but it's like, nope. No. Right, <laughs> right in the introduction. The first scene. 22 minutes, it was over. Yeah. We got 22 minutes, man. We got to get it out. Not even, not even 22 minutes. Like, like I thought there would be like some some character build over time. But we went into her being a villain and like. Well, you knew when she minutes. was kissing somebody so that she was poisoning them because that's yeah. just her mo. So. Um. And my my uh, this is at this point going to sound redundant. My least favorite was uh, was boss big biggest or big the biggest I mean, in, in my case, in my case, well, I mean, I, what I liked about him is he kind of reminded me of like that Sydney green street, um, uh, uh, Fernando Sancho, uh, Dan Seymour, uh, villain who was who in a lot of, you know, horror and noir movies and stuff like that. But what really bugged me was I'm like, he's, just this fucking guy who he cannot be paying you that well. No. Like, I don't know how well he's paying you. He's, but, but he's sending you out like, dude, do it yourself. 
you're sending people out. It's like, oh, Batman, go, go get your ass kicked. <laughs> like, dude, why aren't you doing anything? <laughs> you're literally doing nothing. You're sending everybody else off to just get this shit kicked out of them. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, as far as that makes uh, sense. Yeah, my, my least favorite is, is that, uh, though he did remind me of like classic movie villains. So that I, I do like that aspect of him. He's like Sidney Greenstreet if he were, if he were like really disgusting. Like I'm sure if we watched Sidney Greenstreet eat, eat in Casablanca, it would probably look something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, um, yeah, I, my problem with henchmen, though, I always wonder, like, how do you become a henchman? Do you like, do you go down? I was like, you, you get fired from your job, you go down to the job center, and you're like, well, we don't have any work for you, but we have a henchman working for such and such. <laughs> I was kind of like, how do you become a henchman? I mean, how do you get that job? Bob, <laughs> you want to take this one? There's actually a, there's a scene in She Hulk where Daredevil addresses this specifically. And I, I, I'm going to paraphrase it because I, I don't remember it word for word, but essentially, henchmen believe in the cause. And goons are—they're just in it for the money. So if you if you if you truly believe in the cause, then you're a so, henchman. Okay, so okay, henchmen have respectability. Okay, they have respect. They believe, uh, they, or at least they have integrity for what they for what they're standing for. Whereas a goon, eh, it's just a hired goon. <laughs> well, yeah. that's how you can remember it. The Homer Simpson line: "Goons, I'm just here for goons. the money." That's all. Uh, the thing that always got me about henchmen and goons is where do they like? Does like the Joker have like a uniform when you, when you sign it up? It's like here, throw this on. Yeah, henchmen wear the community uniforms. Goons, they just show up in their street clothes with the you know like looking for work. Henchmen will wear the color, the matching outfits and hats. Do you think they get in? Do, do you think there's like a job interview and a job panel? That <laughs> so uh, we hate everything, right? Cool, you're hired. I mean, yeah, apparently. Are you willing to die for me? Are you willing to die for me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> why not i got nothing else going on in my life and do I, clearly do i get meta do i get medical insurance and dental with that <laughs> well we can talk about that later talk about that later after your first or second job you survive we'll talk yeah, yeah. basically i gotta have this job i already invested in my hamburglar mask so i just <laughs> i know i have my striped shirt how what am i gonna do what else am i gonna do Hamburglar mask, like yeah, totally. Back in the day. In well, the my day. favorite character is gonna be um, uh, Poison Ivy. I really like Poison Ivy. I'm very intrigued by her, and I want to see more and more of her. Yeah. I my like least favorite character, I'm gonna go for one of the main ones. Is has to be Sewer King. I like the Sewer King, but you don't get any story about him. Why is he like this? Why is he doing it? Where did he come from? How did he get there? Or anything? You get no backstory. Just for a him rotten whatsoever. human being. That's all. Yeah, but he's got a rotten human being, but the thing is, but he's got like, you know, he's got like a pair of glasses on, but yeah, he's got a patch underneath the broken glasses. And there's, I'm interested and, I'm, and I want to know more about him because yeah. I, I became intrigued, but I don't get any payoff for him sort of thing. Does he, does he never being, show up again? I don't think so. I can't remember him ever showing up again, but we'll wait and see. But at this point, I'm kind of like, I'm intrigued by him. I want to know more about him. And it's like, and giving him this Fagin, Faginist look, kind of like, okay, I'm building, I'm building him up because of Fagin and Oliver. But if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that reference, I would have, he falls a little bit flat for me, but I do like him, but I just want to know more, even like one or two lines, but because the way the, sto the story works out very, very naturally, because you do get Batman kind of falling into the situation without a lot of not doing a lot of homework for some reason right. or to, I mean you're so used to Batman doing a little bit of homework 
about who this person yeah. is and why this person is there. And you don't get that kind of a payoff though. I would like to see him again. Cause I didn't like him, but I was right. I just thought they're like, how do you get to being underneath there and getting all these children? And, you know, I understand why he has the children to make him money and stuff like this, but what makes you into that sort of thing. Right. And I would like an origin story on him. Yeah, that, that I would like to see, which is why I, I didn't uh, pick him as my episode. least favorite, because I felt like he, he there's at least something intriguing about him. Whereas, you know, the boss in the final episode is just standard, uh, you know, standard issue, um, you know, villain, you know, like he's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's just the greedy guy that like he, like it felt he like had, he had he's a, friends with alligators. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I want to know that. But, like, that's the yeah. reason I picked the guy in the fourth one was, like, he just seems like he does, like, he doesn't have enough to him to make him, uh, he's not interesting enough to be, like, uh, to be, like, a main character, whereas the, the Fagin character, the Sewer King, actually does. He kind of intrigued me a little, got my, sparked my imagination a little. The the guy in the fourth episode is just, you know, just yeah. some guy. Like he would have been like the C, the C or D villain in like almost anything else. Well, he's, I mean, he yeah. was kind of channeling a little bit of, uh, um, God, what's the word I'm, uh, the movie I'm looking for? Paul Newman, where he eats the 50 eggs. Why am I drawing a blank? Oh, uh, uh, cool hand Luke. Cool hand Luke. Cool he's, hand Luke yeah. he's, he's drawn the boss, a little bit of similarities with the boss of, of the chain gang and whatnot there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but see, uh, I, so when I saw the two mob bosses in the, in the two episodes, for some reasons, like I kind of saw them and I kind of knew their backstory automatically right. and I, I thought I thought maybe that's the reason why I didn't take them as like you know like my least favorite because I thought oh I already know their backstory they're mob bosses yeah whatever where I guess him I just I just wanted I guess I was disappointed because I wanted to, I wanted to know more and I don't get more sort of thing so I think that's probably the reason why though I loved I loved the, I love the episode and I love him in the episode I just wish he was I wish there's a bit more information that we could have got from him Maybe we'll get it. I don't know. I like. I don't remember the Sewer King at all. But now that I saw him, I'm like, I do like it. I remember I the Clock we... King more than I remember the Sewer King. And oh, it's Roddy yeah. McDowell. Was that well, right? I, I want to say it was Roddy McDowell in the series in the in the in the, in the 60s. But yeah. he does show. He is an animated character. The the Clock. King, I don't know who. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know who plays him in the animated. Roddy series. McDowell. I think Roddy McDowell does the voice. He does come back and do a voice. Oops. Oh, it's great! I love that. that, that if it's Roddy McDowell, yeah. that'd be great. I think it is. I think it is Roddy, Roddy McDowell doing the Clock King. I think I'm not sure, but I think I know he comes back to reprise as a voice. So. In one of the episodes this is a, well this was not too far from when he died because i think he died in like the late 90s so who knows mm. he, he might have been he might have been too sick but who who, who knows well we'll, we'll find see, out see i i want to i want to see us you know in an ideal world i want to see the sewer king be replaced by croc later on and how that works yeah <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he turns into Croc somehow. The sewer king's <laughs> down there. He's disp- he's all in despair. He feels down. Then all of a sudden he, he goes down an alley or goes down a tunnel and then he gets eaten. And, or you guys uh, could get together and do a little moonlighting and write an episode like that. it's possible (laughs) well this brings us to the end of the literary elections podcast the next episodes that we'll be doing in batman the animated series which will be in november we'll be doing be a clown two-face part one and part two and of course we'll be also covering the fourth episode of 
of our episodes will be It's Never Too Late, where we'll be introduced to Rupert Thorne, which will become a heavy-handed character in the later episodes as well. And, of course, next week we'll be doing our make remakes. It will be The Mummy from 1932 and The Mummy from 1999. And, of course, our two-for-one, Monsters and Mad Men, is the French film, The, um, the Adventures of the, the Le Mans de la Clique. Sure, um, sure, massacred that, and of course we'll be covering Abbott Costello meet the Mummy, and of course we'll be continuing Dark Shadow, um, Dark Doctor Dark Shadows. We'll be continuing in December, but before that we'll be doing Doctor Who. We'll be introducing the Daleks in our part one, which will be covering the first four episodes from 1963, which runs from the episode 25th of December 1963 to January 15th 1964, and that will be airing next week. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vix. Good night, guys. Good night, Sean. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And see you next week for The Mummy from 1932 and The Mummy from 
I want to show you it all What to do and where and how Cause we'll never be as young as we are right now We'll never be as young as we are right now So many cries in the night that you try to ignore What did not do this? What did not do that? So many unanswered prayers, so many unopened doors What did not take it? What did not make it come true? The loneliest word you'll ever know If only, if only it was so The emptiest words that there'll ever be It could have been me, it could have been me The loneliest words you'll ever know If only, if only it was so
There's a feast waiting for you and you've never even gotten a taste It's later than you think and a kiss is a terrible thing 